0: I see dead people. It. Awesome. Here's Johnny. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Fuck you, too. Spooky scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrinking skulls will shock your soul, and seal your doom night. Spooky scary skeletons, speak with such a screech
1: when you so you don't swallow shit my pants today. <laughs> 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 <That's
0: a big> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's how we start, by me asking, you don't swallow, and you telling me that you shit your pants today. <laughs> I was recently trying to explain to my mother that I think I shit my pants until I was like 10, and she was just like laughing. She was like, I don't believe you. And I was Wouldn't just she like, know? No, because I was a very secretive child. Oh, I okay. would always clean my underwear and, <laughs> and hide it and be like, oh, this smelly laundry must be done. Um... She was just like, what if you were, like, at school? And I was just, like, underwear right in the trash. And she was just like, are you fucking serious? And I was like, Mom, I don't know what's wrong with my butthole, but sometimes I don't know when I have to go, and it just happens. And uh, she was just like, she was like, why did you never tell me about, like, she started to get offended. Yeah. She's like, why have you never told me about why this? Didn't I, you, could've, yeah. I could've I could have helped you in your butthole and I was like, this conversation is why I haven't told you. I thought it was funny up until you started getting like actually concerned.
0: Because I was trying to make a joke, Mom. <laughs> that was one of the things I was warned about. There that was like my main side effects from my fistula surgery. Remember when I did Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, There's a there's a ten percent chance that you might just shit without knowing. You're not gonna be able to control your shits anymore for the rest Whoa. of your life. <laughs> That is new. And I was like, "Wow. That is 10 news. is not a tiny number. 10 is a number that exists." And That's I can t- still, hey everybody out there, <laughs> I still shit just fine.
1: I think uh I think I shit my pants probably like <laughs> 2 or 3 months ago. I was literally just like I woke up I rolled out of bed and I was like, mmm, I probably I sh- I should pee. I went upstairs, peed, and I came back down. I was like, oh, something's wrong with my stomach. And literally, as I stood there, I tried to fart and it was just shit. And I was just like, oh, no. And I immediately ran upstairs and took a shit. There was nothing in my pants, but it was, like, very close to, like... Oh. No, like, I was holding it with my butt.
0: But there was shit right there at the gas. Oh, the
1: minute I sat down, it just plopped. (laughs) It just plopped in there. I was lucky it wasn't wet. Oh, my God. (laughs) You did this. (laughs) You did this. I wanted to start by talking about how you don't swallow. I have a friend
0: who is... Not a friend, but I want right. to protect their because we're not
1: friends with them anymore. Because
0: I don't, I'm not <clears throat> friends with this person, but... They shit their pants all the time, it's just not, it's not cool or funny. Father <laughs> her father <laughs> drinks about two pots of coffee a day, and I've heard that he shits his pants about once a week. It's just a normal occurrence. Like, it's not even, like, rare.
1: Well, when you drink that much coffee, it's a, uh... You got What's the, what's the word? Right? What's the word? Because it's I, not, uh, it
0: is a diuretic. A diuretic. Well, but we're <laughs> like, also talking about the poops. So that right. So we're it's talking like,
1: about the poops, but like you, you ever hear someone like in art school? I always felt like th- what what people said was just like, "Oh man, give me
0: a cigarette and a coffee, and I'll immediately take a <clears> shit." <throat> immediately take a shit. Yeah. And I was just oh, like, it's a stimulant. It's a sti- that's okay. That's part of the shitting. thing. All right. too. It's a diuretic and it's a stimulant. Yeah. Loosens your butthole. Cigarettes, coffee, <laughs> stimulants. Just that's what we're talking about on this this episode <laughs> of Mr. Poopy Butthole. Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> Do you want to talk about media? Are we talking about media? We can talk about whatever you want. You want to talk about playoffs? You can talk about... Playoffs? No, no,
1: please. Playoffs? No. (laughs) Talk about playoffs? I said that we can talk about anything, but I really don't mean
0: that. Death Stranding. Yeah. So you're going to get it. Possibly.
1: (sighs) See, now, I watched Donkey's video last night, and now I'm just like, man, is it really that broken? We're both thinking about it. Because what I've watched, I like. Yeah conceptually i like it story-wise i'm i'm stoner sci-fi enough to it exactly yes now it doesn't have me hard like something like cyberpunk does but it is like an intermediary to that point where it's like chub it is atmospheric sci-fi at its best with some psychological elements, some alien creatures, you know, post-apocalyptic context. Yeah, I'm fucking into it. Yeah. And then everyone says, "Fuck, this game is boring."
0: This game sucks mechanically.
1: And mecha- and now I'm hearing. Yeah. Na- I wasn't before. Now I am hearing mechanically. This game is broken. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: That's rough.
1: How do you fuck up a game where <laughs> all you do is <laughs> walk? Wrong. <laughs> really you'd think it's the one thing yeah. they'd nail yeah uh and he's and he's over there uh, he being uh uh Kojima Hideo mm-hmm. uh Kojima-san Kojima-san <laughs> he he's over there saying oh people don't like this cause they're just like they're bored by it and everyone right. has uh ADHD nowadays they like their shooters and he like points a finger at America <sighs> And then I'm just like, but I think you can shoot in this game. And why does that <laughs> feel better than the walking does? Yeah, yeah, right. So I think I'm still gonna get it, but it's not—it's not gonna be as expedient as I want to have it.
0: Every other video game has mechanically been sound, even if you, you don't like I stuff. What no, what? Every
1: video game. I like video games. Video game? Video games. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Continue. God damn it. Instead every... of saying video games, you're saying hideo oh, video game.
0: Oh wow, I wasn't even there.
1: You did it though.
0: Wow, you're amazing. Ge-
1: you're a genius. Amazing.
0: You're you're a rain man. You're... I have to go. <laughs> man, I, have to, I have to go. I'm sorry. I I am called to greater things.
1: So you were saying Hello, oh, all those games.
0: <laughs> um, all every video game, yeah, has so far, stealth may or not, may not be your thing, which is fine. Has been mechanically solid. That w- that, right. was a good one. that was a that one because I tried let's for. talk
1: about Metal Gear Five. Like yeah. let's talk about sick um, the last couple Metal Gear mechanics. How comes like walking over those deserts and dunes didn't feel shitty and it felt very lived in right. and, and and nice? Right, is why going back to basics and then just throwing in a new engine? Why why does all of a sudden everything fall the fuck apart? I don't know. You had like core game wise. Exactly what you needed to develop a game like this. Change the story, change some of the tactics, and you could take the exact engine that was used Mm -hmm. and just rebrand it
0: and throw a new texture in there. Throw grass instead of sand. Can I give you a hot take? Hot take. This is controversial. Hot take. Coming from Django. Hold on, excuse me! (laughs) But... This is the first full video game without Konami. You think that you think that's what? I think it's just a controversial like gamers will gamers will hate it opinion, so I kind of like it. Gamers
1: will hate but it. But I don't because... think it's like
0: necessarily the correct like thing. I don't think that's necessarily what happened. I just think it's a hot take. It is a, hot, a hot take. I love a hot take. What are you doing? Okay, listen. While he's gone. Um I have a new sponsor. The podcast doesn't have a sponsor, but I have a sponsor. The sponsor is um, Box Crate. So Box Crate is a <laughs> monthly subscription service from the makers of Loot Crate, and it's just
1: boxes. It's just
0: boxes. Full of boxes. It's a box full of boxes. You get 17 boxes, every box, and the value, the minimum value is a hundred thousand dollars, and you only pay forty dollars. <laughs> minimum value. That's the minimum value, but some shipments will be more. Use promo code. Django that is a fucking hot take though that's a hot take right that's a hot take because
1: you're essentially saying Kojima was it's nothing good. without Konami I mean uh, I and that know. is and that is tough they're doing to fucking imagine. slot but machines
0: now so they've been doing yeah, slot been that's been why Silent s- Hill right. is not a thing exactly that's why I got cancelled so god damn it days she got too sad <laughs> just immediately left she thought about PT and she just left <laughs> um okay while he's gone I want to tell you about another sponsor that I have again, this is not a sponsor of the podcast it's just my sponsor um, currently I'm being sponsored by Mazda uh, the whole car company um if you've been thinking about buying a new or used car don't don't go with all the other guys go with Mazda. Do you remember Mazda? They still make cars and they're they have wheels and they are sometimes a hatchback um, use promo code Django at the dealership and you'll get 10% off a uh, brand new Mazda Speed 4. Ma- Mazda 3 Speed. 4 Speed? Mazda sp- Speed 4. The hatchback. The one that looked bad. Oh, yeah. All right. Back in action. So, yeah, we're both maybes. We're both maybes.
1: We're both maybes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a sad maybe. It's because a sad maybe. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was really looking forward to this title. I... For some reason, I imagined his big fuck you to walking away from the company that, like, born him was, like, a good move. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now I'm, like, sad on both accounts. Like, not only do we not get P.T., but what he made instead of P.T. is not good.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: I mean, it's. I guess it's going to be experiential. I've played a lot of things that people don't think are good that I still play. Yeah. uh, I don't have an example right now because I'm stoned, but like there have been games that I liked that people didn't like. Oh, Dead Island, that's a big one, yeah, Dead Island was like games are rough a lot you see, a lot of people thought it was, but you put that game on melee swing mechanics mm-hmm. and it becomes a different fucking game. instead of pressing R for everything, you use the control sticks to actually use your hands to to swing swing things. So like your left control stick was like your left hand and your right control stick was your right hand. And when you had a two handed weapon, you'd swing both of them back to the right and then swing it quick back left. You'd have to like hold down R to do melee weapons and then it would change the use of your control sticks to be hands. That's cool.
0: That's Um, like fight night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I I mean a lot of people didn't know about that, but the people I played through the game with, I told them about that and they liked it more. So it it is a very experiential thing. I I might pick up Death Stranding and think it's beautiful. I might pick up Death Stranding and think it's really invigorating and like keeps my attention. Mm -hmm. But from what I've seen that isn't the case. Yeah. Which is sad. Which is disappointing.
0: You're in the same spot. I'm in the same spot. I was thinking about getting a 4K TV. I wasn't I wasn't gonna get it because it was in the next video game. Um because I like wasn't blown away by any of the, the trailers. And then when it was like a couple days before release and they were like, Yeah, you're a mailman. And like the game's like about like cargo management. I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna buy this game. <laughs> I was like so in at that point.
1: I was like, Oh, this combat developer just makes a game about non-combat
0: delivering the mail hell yeah i'm gonna deliver some fucking mail because at that point
1: we had all played metal gear and we all had said like oh this guy's really great at making a world to like live in Mm -hmm. and and run around in Mm -hmm. the playground wise sandbox wise and um man i just i just thought it would be more fun
0: we'll figure it out we'll figure it (laughs) out i mean we'll we'll figure figure it figure it out we'll figure it out
1: Maybe we'll even you guys. We'll uh, figure it out. Maybe I'll buy it and have you over, and we could record like yeah. the first two hours of playthrough. Be cool. Although I heard the first two hours of playthrough. I mean, I've watched them. It's just you getting dialogue. It's dumped. just movies. It's just dialogue. We're dumped. just
0: gonna watch a video movie.
1: So maybe we'll pick up at at like the first mission. You could walk or like ha- <laughs> we'll pick up halfway through the game. <laughs> hey man, so like I'm in the middle of the country, and let's see <laughs> what we could deliver today, right. <laughs> and, and yeah. we'll just run from there. It's like. Oh, okay. That's twenty-five
0: boxes.
1: Yeah, let's take all of them.
0: <laughs> Put them on my back.
1: Put them on my arms. That sounds pretty good. Put them on my thighs. Put them on my like butt. So, um, I want to. This episode is really important. This is episode one hundred and fifty. Whoa! And this is our three-year anniversary Boah! episode. We've been doing this for three fucking years. Three years. Uh, and, dead. And I think you have 20... I want to say like 24 mm-hmm. episodes. Hell, yes. 24 or 25
0: episodes. Hell
1: yes. You have the most episodes. Yes. By like two or three. Yes. And fucking I, love it. I believe it's because of the series we've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell me more. Tenron Otrin has recently started catching up to you because we just keep doing good wow. series after good series.
0: Well, wow. Tenron, bitchron, more like. <laughs> Tenron, suck my ass, Don. Don, Don, if you're listening, suck my ass. <laughs> he,
1: um, he, he comes to me uh, very emotionally and says, thank you so much for having me on the show. Mm. It really, it really, it's, it's like everything I ever wanted.
0: I very much try the opposite. opposite you factor. do the opposite thing. Where, I don't, where I don't respond I, to your texts. Where if I don't talk to you
1: for like two months, you're just like, good, that's fine, that's great, yeah, no, that's good. And then I, I text you like two months later, and you're like, what do you want? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, it's time to come back. And you're like, fuck!
0: You think like we're exaggerating the nature of this podcast relationship for the, it's not. This and let's is exactly just what let's happens. just
1: say that Dogscape did a number on Django, and he hasn't been the same since. And let's just say that I'm also trying to uh, kickstart that same
0: uh, feeling with today's episode. That's why I got this fucking undercut. This is why, because I'm militant now. I'm ready to, to rock and roll. Oh, I thought it was because you're a douchebag. I mean, that's also true. <laughs> it makes me look like Richard Spencer, the white nationalist guy. I want to like. Have a sign that says I'm not a white nationalist like I'm a not little a white button. Dash list. With my undercut, but I don't No, <laughs> nah, it's a better undercut.
1: It's more like um it's like uh the guy from X-Men, uh with the pink hair. I forgot his name.
0: I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> You're not a Nazi.
1: <laughs> but now I kinda I wish I remembered one. the name of that X-Men because he's very powerful. Pink hair telekinetic power is really awesome. Pink man. Um it's not his name. And <laughs> Uh let's just we have a lot of shit to get through, so let's just fucking let's can get I scrooge hold on screw
0: duck. <laughs> just, I just I dived, just dived in. into
1: a pool of gold coins. You dived in. And Daisy was very happy with it. Where's the gold? Where's the gold? Oh so do you know do you know what we're doing here today? Do you have any I
0: idea? I'm assuming I will get killed. So I'm to be murdered.
1: We did Sacrifice. Two other episodes like this episode before.
0: We did. So you do know. I saw the episode title. You had an inkling. I had an inkling. You knew. I had an inkling. Um.
1: This is Games with Ghoulies Part 3, but this is gonna be a different type of games with Ghoulies, whereas uh the last two parts we did, which like throwback two years ago, uh I think it was 33 and 34 or 34 and 35 sure. Um We did They were like creepy pasta games. They were mm-hmm. like instructions but exaggerated to be creepy and they're not at all meant to be like taken seriously. Some were better than others, some were more deceptive than others, some were um just purposely creepy and stupid uh to try and elicit or, like a spooky response. Mm-hmm. Like someone playing like uh the it's like Candyman. The whole uh Yeah yeah, yeah. stand in front of the mirror, the mirror, you know, bloody Mary bloody bullshit. Mary. Um we we read several different like uh stories about the subconscious mm-hmm. and the like going into your mind the the doors of your mind and shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think today's story is one long version of people's bad experience with a game like that
0: oh. and how it
1: affected their group when they played it.
0: Oh, so this is a oneer? This is a oneer. Wow. Throughout
1: the entire episode we're going to wow. be reading just one solid story. I think it's six parts. Wow. And it's either based on an I don't actually know. It's either based on Three Kings or the Dream Door, uh, like challenge. Incredible. And we were really into the Dream Door thing because I tried doing it while you read it, and we talked about it
0: afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. To close your yeah. eyes and yeah. you know
1: imagine a house and what's behind the doors. Yeah. Um, that could get really fucked up. That could get kind of creepy. And I feel like if you were to like have a professional hypnotist do that to you, it would almost be crazy. Some David Blaine shit. Worse Yeah Some like some, Brown uh, some like Stir of Echoes shit
0: Yeah Some like Final Fantasy 7 shit Yeah When you're like in, yeah. the, in the The thing And you gotta go inside the brothel And you're like I need underwear And then you have to Go and fight all those bees But the bees have like Dicks Bees And yeah, then you All of them You have to jerk off the bees And uh-huh. then you get the underwear Uh
1: huh It's exactly like that
0: That's what I'm That's, so... that's what I'm thinking so uh
1: let I think we're just going to hop into it. Do you have it's any happening. like uh I'm running away. And he's gone. And he ran a, and he's I'm running away. the episode's over. <sighs> if I'm I'm going to kill myself.
0: I have party favors.
1: Oh, he's back. All right, back. never mind. That's next. Okay. That'll do. So uh Sorry. let's just get into it. Let's do it. Oh, okay. So, This is called Seven Doors and um many have requested the rules of a game I'm recounting over on reddit no sleep and reddit three kings which is the mirror one I don't fuck with mirrors specifically when I'm tripping face
0: I don't fuck with mirrors
1: uh, the physical things still don't carry over but he did multiple hand signs and it, to the rhythm of his Little speaking stupid ass
0: bitch I ain't fucking with mirrors
1: so here are the rules as we played them 20 years ago my experience as a 12-year-old with this game are being catalogued after this. Okay, boomer. Let's, right, <laughs> right? 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 The rules... End the podcast. Unsubscribe. <laughs> um, kill yourself. <laughs> the rules. Seven Doors is a game involving light meditation and imagining oneself being projected into another place in your mind. We decided that we would project into a clearing in a heavily wooded pine forest similar to the forest that we met in the real world to play together. You can choose any place you like, but I recommend using the same place to enter and exit from every time to help with continuity. At least two people need to play. You should never try to play by yourself, as the second person is there to pull you out, so to speak. And you may get stuck if you try by yourself. There we are. Pull it out. There was also... The fear that you might eventually not be able to discern what is real anymore if you continued to go in by yourself as your presence of your friends would be the signal to your brain that you were back in the real world and not in another projection. Oh, so it's like Inception. Yeah. Getting lost mm-hmm. in the dream. Yeah. The person who is quote-unquote traveling lies down and the person who's guiding quote-unquote places their hands over the traveler's eyes. If there are other people present they should make a circle around the guide and the traveler. This is apparently for protection. Everyone... and They all have to wear condoms. (laughs) Everyone who isn't the traveler begins chanting, Seven Doors. When the traveler seems appropriately relaxed, the chanting stops, and the guide will begin asking leading questions such as, What do you see? What do you hear? Do you smell anything? Etc.
0: What do you think about my haircut?
1: I just (laughs) love... I just love that... Uh, the way they get you to calm down is just by going like seven doors seven, seven, doors, seven, doors, seven doors seven doors seven doors that's really calming and Don't i do that every out. night
0: cuz remember you can pull out
1: always pull out wherever the traveler first arrives that's the place they have to return to before the guide pulls them out the guide counts down from 5 and after reaching 1 demands open your eyes at this point the traveler is officially quote unquote out and can open their eyes in the real world No one else can talk besides the guide during a session to avoid confusing the traveler when they try to return. Taking someone out early against their will or before they've reached their entry or exit point can have unintended consequences. There may be other rules, but these are the ones we played by. I've heard other newer rules like not approaching or opening red or black doors or being aware of the color red in general these were not rules when we originally played but I believe because of mine and others' experiences it soon became common to avoid these color cues as every experience connected to them was
0: horrible Red is this is not a joke actually, this is just scientific No, 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 we've talked about this before Red is uh, Asian, right? What? It's an Asian trope? No, Red is an Asian trope for for death Red is associated with death in Eastern (sighs) cultures. Someone comment on this episode I, oh but I think it's like like red tape red doors red writing oh yeah yeah in Korea if you write someone's name in red ink it's bad luck because okay yeah
1: I mean it wasn't it's not hard for me to believe that because I know it's not just like like how we categorized the Russians you know cold War wise like
0: oh no it's not bad, like red like, scare like, right yeah no no, no.
1: um no, I, I mean that makes sense And I think black is just like the void The void, essentially. So it's yeah. just like Yeah, you might want to stay away from that When you're in the fucking dream world
0: But what about like pink doors?
1: Those are the, those are your latent homosexuality doors Oh, uh, okay
0: You might want to go through those <laughs> You might want to experience kids, those Kids, if you see a pink door I've Don't be afraid of those it those doors You know? Why don't you just like check <laughs> out what's on the other side And then maybe close it And then maybe open it And then maybe close it again You can always pull out You want to switch on parts? You could always pull out. Yeah, you could take it. Listen, I'm not sure how we started or who had the idea first, but when I was in middle school, I had a group of friends who would all go into the woods together, pass the racetrack and play a game we called Seven Doors. Okay, so question on the first sentence, probably a bad, probably bad omen. Why is there a racetrack at the school? Uh, oh, like a track and field racetrack? Track? Yeah. I was thinking like a dog. dogs. No, I was thinking like a dog racing. Track. Oh, you felt like a dog track? Like, or a like, horse track? Like yeah, they were betting on dog races. That that would be a seedy place for bunch kids <laughs> to hang out. <laughs> Already,
1: <I don't laughs> like they placed goal. bets on on which dogs would be put down at the end of the race. <laughs> oh no!
0: Not just who won, but who really lost. I want to be homeschooled. <laughs> this game involved one girl laying her head on the lap of another. The second girl would cup her hands over the eyes of the first girl to block as much light as possible from shining through their eyelids. We would all circle around them, seated on the forest floor, and chant softly,
1: Seven doors. Seven seven doors. Seven doors. doors, doors.
0: Sexily. (laughs) The girl whose hands were cupped over the first girl's eyes when asked her questions after we chanted for a few minutes. Can you see? What do you see? (laughs) Where are you? Do you smell or hear anything? What do you think of my new perfume? all leading sensory questions that would paint a picture of a location in the mind's eye the girl lying on the ground would begin telling us what she saw describing what she was doing even where she was walking usually every session like this started in a forest similar to the one we played in except that the girl who was traveling would be alone within the woods were seven doors each one a different color there was red blue green yellow orange purple and white They were scattered, and usually the goal of each session was to find a door, open it, catalog what was inside of it, and get back safely to the entry point, or the clearing in the woods that all of us originally arrived in when it was our turn to travel. I like this. This would almost be a fun video game. This would be a fun video game. Like uh, Slender. Yeah. We only had 45 minute lunches, so we would usually only have time for one person to go under per day. Originally, it was just in fun. We would giggle and chant and listen with rapt excitement and attention at the visual story the girl who was traveling that day would spin for us finding all manner of animals and plants in the forest we respected the hunt for the doors no one was eager to slip a discovery into their story until it felt right or made sense thus it took us two weeks to find three of the doors and explore a little bit of what was beyond each the blue door was found first and it led to a deep valley lake with short white houses cut into the cliff sides around the lake house We hadn't delved deep enough yet to know if the small cliffside villages were occupied or not, and by whom. The Red Door led to a huge city, built from gold, metallic, terracotta-type material, with towering buildings that connected and reconnected through complex sky bridges. Again, we had yet to encounter any sort of dwellers or people here, only a few strange birds that followed our progress through the city any time one of us ventured into the Red Door.
1: I... I'm a little... I know that they say dream reality-wise, like, your subconscious kind of just creates people, mm-hmm. but under this type of, like, context and this type of, like, experiment, I'd almost, like, be afraid to see anyone, you know? Like, I... Like,
0: you, you think, think it's, it's better to be alone? This yeah.
1: doesn't feel like regular dreaming. This no. feels like a, a planar, you know, planer walking, planes walking mm-hmm. type of shit, and um, I just... Know not to fuck
0: with that. No, every person that I ran into in a night terror was a monster. I never ran into a regular person in a night
1: terror.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the green door led underground into to a, a dead dank, gas glowing hurting. grotto. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Filled with soft, fluorescent fungus that wove across the ceiling like a network of fine jeweled thread. Yo, did you just say fungus? FUGUS.
1: There was a single
0: FUGUS fire pit with a crackling FUGUS fire lit at the water's edge, and a small tent suitable for one, maybe two people, at the most, further in the darkness. Blaze it. We were slowly moving beyond the point where it was a game. In the beginning, perhaps, we had tapped into the effectiveness of soft repetitive noise and some sensory deprivation by blocking the light from the eyes, and achieved some very mild meditative states. It may have helped with our intuition, our ability to get lost in our world that we all created together. Like a creativity exercise done to stimulate those more abstract portions of the brain that we are so plugged into as younger kids and lose access to when we get older. Maybe we were just at the right age. Not quite children anymore. Not quite grown women. But in between. Are they all girls? That's what they're saying. Well, But in between. A gray state of being. Transitional creatures, each with a foot in two different worlds. Maybe... That is what made us susceptible. Who knows? Sure.
1: I remember going under on a Wednesday, when my turn came around again. My friend, will abbreviate her name to Jay, had her fingers cupped loosely against my cheeks. My name's Jay. She had been taking guitar lessons, and I remember how calloused her finger pads were against my
0: 12 year old skin. I play guitar.
1: It made it harder for me to concentrate for a while, to sink into that soft, fuzzy, half-awake state that made it easier to make up stories. A flash of irritation shot through me, but I quenched it, squeezed my eyes shut, and tried to concentrate. The anticipation in the circle around us had changed in the last week. No giggles or smiles. We used to make faces at each other across the circle to try and get one another to crack the chanting with a laugh. But the last few days, everyone had intently stared at whomever was on the forest floor, focused, resolved. There was a mystery here, and we were going to figure it all out. Hindsight is always 2020 Isn't that what they say? If I could stop my 12-year-old self somehow. <sighs> Foreshadowing. Finally, the chanting stopped, and Jay asked me, What do you see? The clearing was around me, as it always had been before. I looked down and could see myself wearing the flared Dickies and blue-striped cap-sleeve shirt I had put on that morning. I circled around the clearing, getting my bearings. Our friend S had found the green door the day before, and she had turned twice before heading off into the forest. I was really curious about the grotto, so I hoped I could find the green door again and spend a little bit more time exploring. I turned steadily, making a second complete circle before walking out of the clearing into the woods. It was midday. Sun shafts broke through high canopies of thickly layered pine trees dead needles and rocks crunched under my shoes as I walked, threading in between tree trunks and larger ferns. I described the landscape around me in a colorful detail until I was stopped short when Jay asked, Do you hear anything? Ha. Huh. Besides my own footsteps, I hadn't actually thought about sounds yet. I figured, finally tuning into the forest around me, There was a stillness, a heaviness to the forest that seemed to dampen all noise as if coming from underneath a blanket. I waited, but besides me there was no sound, not even one of the creatures my previous friends had identified in earlier explorations. My mind was a total blank. I don't hear anything, I whispered, and somehow saying it out loud filled me with a sudden blood-chilling dread ice in my veins, I slowly turned in a circle right where I was standing, peering sharply into the woods around me this was strange, something was off, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, but this was weird suffocating stillness seemed much different from the soft breezy forest we had come to know I don't know why I was stupid enough to do this but I called out hello a pause then in the distance, a sound leaves rustling the snap of a branch so singularly loud in the stillness that it might as well have been a gunshot my heart cracked and fire surged through my limbs I whipped around and began running back to the entry point the clearing where we all entered and exited from fuck what was I thinking I should have realized something was wrong before then I arrived but nothing had ever happened before so why should it now My breathing came fast and hard as I dodged tree trunks and leapt over exposed roots. Jay later told me that I had called out hello and then started almost hyperventilating. She had been tempted to wake me up right then and there, but we had a rule about waiting until a person had returned back to the entry point before coming back. Something about exiting the same way we entered in order to keep everything structured and ensure that we had really woken up. I was mostly looking down at the path as I ran to ensure that I didn't trip on a root or large rock, so when I looked up briefly and saw a dark, hulking shape ahead of me in the woods, my heart nearly stopped right then and there. Shit! I veered suddenly, dodging behind a pine tree, clutching the rough bark in my hands as I pressed myself against the trunk. I stuffed my hand in my mouth, stifling my gasping breaths, ears craning desperately for any sound. What was that? Were my eyes playing tricks on me? What in the actual fuck is going on? I waited, hearing nothing but the thick silence and my own blood pounding in my ears. After a few moments, I cautiously peered around the edge of a trunk. It was closer to me now. I hadn't heard anything, but there, in the direction of the dark hulking thing I had seen earlier, I could make out the distinct rectangular shape of a door.
0: What is it? What do you see?
1: Jay's voice squeaked a little higher than normal. "'There's a door ahead of me,' I whispered. I stared at it, fingers white-knuckled and stinging with sharp pain as the rough bark of the tree dug into them. "'A door?' A pause, then Jay spoke her voice calmer, colored with curiosity. "'What color is it? Is it green?' I swallowed hard. "'It's black.' I stood alone in the woods about fifty yards ahead of me, a dark, solid stain on which the light of the sun seemed not to touch. I couldn't see much else from my distance outside of a faint embossed pattern covering the center of the door. There was a long
0: pause, then another voice from the circle of our friends around us. I thought there were only seven doors. Ilya, shh! Well, she's changing the game. We haven't even found all the doors we decided to have yet, and she's making more doors? I couldn't be sure, but it was starting to
1: to look like somehow the door was getting closer to me through the woods. I'm running around it, I said, and began moving through the trees, circling around the door to the left. It didn't seem to move while I was looking at it, yet every now and then I realized that even though I was moving around and away from it, it somehow was closing distance between us. When I realized that in the time it took for me to circle around it, it managed to half the distance between us. I couldn't take it anymore. I broke my gaze, turned... And ran full sprint. I was nearly at the clearing. Just make it in the clearing. Get out of here. It's a door. It's not like it's going to chase me. The trees broke up ahead of me, opening up into the clearing and my way out. I gasped in shaky relief and slowed for a moment, peeking over my shoulder to see if the door was still following me. There was nothing behind me but trees and forest, and I almost laughed. Guys, I think I lost. I turned and screamed as I nearly ran right into it it was three feet in front of me and i barely avoided slamming right into it throwing myself off to the side into the brush fuck you guys i cried fuck fuck jay get me out get me out are you in the clearing her voice was sharp i scrambled to my feet and threw myself around the door taking off in a hard run the moment my toes passed the edge of the forest into the grass i said yes yes get me out now
0: uh five four three two one and open your eyes Sunlight
1: nearly blinded me as Jay's hands lifted from my face and I scrambled up, frantically brushing dead needles off that had collected on my backside. I was panting. Jay's face looked pinched as she watched me. No one else said anything for a long time before Ilya finally spoke up.
0: I can't believe you didn't open it.
1: Are you shitting me? A creepy black door? The remembered sight of it chilled me and I shivered unconsciously. No thanks. No thanks. The bell rang, signaling five minutes until the end of our lunchtime. We'll try again tomorrow, said uh, Jay quietly, and without another word, ten girls got up and trudged back towards the school, a strange sobriety having fallen over everyone. I almost didn't go to school the next day, and looking back, I should have stayed at home and faked being sick. Uh, ten, Ten girls, ten little Indians. Oh, that might be an interesting little, uh, cool. and then there were none allegory. Yeah.
0: Alright, class, uh, welcome to health class. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to have to do this, <laughs> but the principal said there are some of you in this class that are going out to the woods behind the dog racing track that we have <laughs> and doing all sorts of weird shit, and I just, your bodies are changing, alright, and I don't want to say that it's off limits, but like, just not here in the school that's it. All right. So the vagina. <laughs> so, so let me explain um, a
1: woman's <laughs> sexual organs. Um, for some reason, there's a little note here that I didn't read. Who do the note? I wasn't planning on this being a series of posts, but as I began recounting my memories, I realized that there was just way too much for one post. So I'm breaking up the more notable experiences into individual parts Other people have mentioned that they've played this game as well, which is kind of what I was hoping to hear. If you've played this game as a kid, please feel free to share any memories you'd like to share that can recall clearly in the comments. I seriously thought that we made this game up, but it sounds like it was more of a common thing to do as a kid than I had originally thought. I mean, I definitely didn't do anything like this, Mm -hmm. but um, I did like, uh, you know... uh, stay up all hours of the night and watch like horror movies and get spooked all the same, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. Part two. I do like that. And when we met out in the woods the next day for our lunchtime adventure, everyone was a little quieter than usual, but most of the girls had regained their good humor. Ice cream. I, however, had not. I had slept poorly the night before, waking multiple times throughout the night, drenched in sweat despite the Pacific Northwest dreary, forever 50 degrees weather. I had no recollection of my dreams, but it was hard to peel myself out of bed this morning. Needless to say, I almost didn't go to school, because I knew they were going to try again and maybe even actively look for the black door. We were a curious bunch, and no one had seen it or experienced it besides me. I was silent the entire way into the forest, even when Elia showed up next to me as we walked, digging an elbow playfully into my rib. Did the black door follow you home? She mock whispered. Elia, the day you take something seriously is the day I die of shock. Aubrey had come up behind us and swatted at Elia's backside. Elia shrieked and leapt forward, skipping ahead of us a few steps and laughing.
1: Should we call it eight doors now, since Kat found a new door?
0: This came from Emery, walking a little off to our left. No, I said quietly. I don't even really know what the hell I saw, but let's keep it at seven. Somehow acknowledging the black door's existence seemed like it would make things worse. Or maybe I just wanted to pretend like it never happened at all. Emery fell into a step beside me. Did you see anything
1: on it, you know, besides that it was black?
0: I shook my head. Honestly, I wasn't looking super close, though. I think there were designs in the center, but of what, I don't know. When we got to our spot in the woods, Jay and the other girls were already there. We formed our circle, with a girl named Loran, taking the honored position of the traveler this time. Jay did most of the question asking when it wasn't her turn to travel, so she knelt on the carpet of dead pine needles first before Loran lay down and situated her head on Jay's lap. You ready? jazz. Loran nodded and shut her eyes. Jay cupped her hands and placed them over Lorraine's face. She took a deep breath, shut her own eyes for a moment, and then nodded briefly. The circle of girls began chanting, Seven doors, doors, seven, seven doors, doors, seven doors. After a few minutes, Loran's breathing had become slow and heavy, as if she were sleeping. We could see her belly rising and falling beneath her baggy soundgarden shirt. Nice. Her hands fell open and slack at her sides. Her feet splayed outward gently. Nice. She looked deflated <laughs> against the forest floor
1: No, no don't as, make it creepy I was, I was talking about Soundgarden, not a 12 year old girl <laughs> Fuck, fuck,
0: fuck, delete the episode Abort She looked deflated against the forest floor As if she were a discarded doll With all the stuffing ripped out. Jay's voice cut through our chanting And all of our voices fell silent What do you see? Lorraine let out a slow breath Her voice sounded tiny As she said, I'm in the woods In the clearing A pause and then I don't see any doors. I'm going to start walking west. Do you hear anything? And pause. There's a breeze, really slight. I can see the leaves rustling, but like nothing else. Do you see the black door? This came from Emery. And Jay looked sharply across the circle at where Emery was sitting. It was against the rules for anyone besides the question asker to stay, yeah, sit, say anything up. or They're ask like questions. Inviting it to happen. And the other. Uh, Elliot did this last time. And Jay wasn't like, hey, I mean, up, yeah, Ellia. but that was more of an aside. Jay doesn't like Emery. It was against the rules for anyone. <laughs> and she doesn't like her. Emery obvious. also
1: sounds like a bitch. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not <laughs> disagreeing, I'm just saying. This is the politics She's of the She's also group. a
1: bitch. Yeah, no, you're right.
0: It was against the rules for anyone besides, apparently, the question asker or Elia to say anything or ask questions, to prevent any confusion when trying to pull someone back out of the imaginary woods. Lauren's face furrowed slightly beneath Jay's hands. And Jay quickly repeated Emory's question to get everything back on track. Do you see the black door? Loran seemed to wait for a moment before answering, and my heart began to pound. No, I, I don't see anything like a black door anywhere around me. Loran continued to wander the woods for a while. She spotted a previously identified creature, a white stag, in the distance. Nice. It looked like a normal four-pointed stag when we first saw it weeks ago. Hell yeah. Only it had a third horn spiraling straight up from oh, the center of its wow. head, in between the two arching antlers. It always ran away if we walked directly towards it, but occasionally, it liked to shadow us, following off to the side as we made our way through the woods. That's
1: like a good omen and shit.
0: It reminds me of a Patronus. Patronus! It's, Harry's, it's Harry's Patronus. Always. It's a stag. Always. Loran didn't even bother walking towards the stag when she saw it, but changed direction and continued walking. She noted that it began following her off to the side, as it had done to many of us in previous journeys. <sighs> After a few minutes of this, Loran came to the edge of a previously undiscovered ravine. A small, narrow trickle of water cut through the forest floor below her, and after a moment, she announced that she was climbing down to the water. Is the stag still there? A pause as Lorraine looked around. No, she said. I don't see him anymore. The ravine was dark and narrow, shallow enough to jump down. Although once Lorraine was next to the river, she noted that it was much darker than up on the forest floor. She began following the water south, describing roots and trailing moss sticking out of the sides of the ravine as she walked overhanging branches and fallen tree trunks crossing over either side above her. After a few minutes, she said in a little whisper, I've stopped walking. I think it's getting darker. It was silent for a moment. Even the woods around those of us in the circle seemed to have become still. The cries and noises of the lunchtime chaos back on the school's grounds seeming to get farther and further away.
1: You mean the sun is blocked out from where you're
0: standing? asked Jay. No, replied Loran. It's, it's like the sun is going down or something. Like it's getting later in the afternoon This hadn't happened before Every time we journeyed the sun was always at midday Bright and cheerful Our gazes met nervously around the circle Do you want to continue or head back? Asked Jay A long pause We all held our breath Then I'll continue for a little bit But I'm going to start heading back towards the clearing Elia snorted quietly Sissy She muttered under her breath The girl next to her punched her lightly in the thigh decked her out. (laughs) Fuck that. Loran described walking a little further down the ravine, looking for a good place to climb back up. She said she found some knobby roots hanging out of the mud wall that looked like it would work well for handholds, when suddenly her breath caught. What is it? Asked Jay sharply. I think I see a door. Alarm pierced through me, but moments later, Loran said, it looks like yellow wood, like a bunch of bleached, yellowing tree roots knotted together and woven into a door in the side of the ravine wall across the river from me. Before Jay could respond, Lorraine added, I'm gonna try and swim across the river to get to it. I thought she was coming back. I whispered to Emery next Shit. to me. That's fine. <laughs> Jay gave me a warning Claire. We were supposed to be silent, but I wondered if Lorraine had heard Elias' sissy comment. Because she went from being carefully cautious to suddenly diving into strange waters alone in an astral forest, ready to open a new door we'd never found before. If you're listening, <laughs> and you're on my wavelength. <laughs> wavelength. Wavelength. Lorraine described herself walking into the river water. The current wasn't terribly strong and she waded out to the center, carefully stepping on submerged boulders scattered along the base of the river. She got almost to her chest when suddenly her relaxed, deflated body stiffened in a spasm, and she let out a choking gasp.
1: Whoa, I, I'm sorry, I read ahead, I'm fucked Not up. Fun. What is it?
0: It's in the river Lorraine's voice was a squeak. Holy shit, there's a black door in the river! It's right underneath me. I always stepped on it. I almost stepped on it. Oh my god. Her fingers were clenching and unclenching against the forest floor. Oh fuck, I'm coming back right now. Shit! It's right there, how the fuck- Come back, Loran. Jay said sharply. Hurry. Just get back to the clearing. Loran described herself turning and splashing inelegantly back to the shore, launching herself out of the water and climbing the roots up the side of the ravine. Her breath began coming in short, sharp gasps, feet twitching and hands scrabbling slightly against the ground. She said that she had gotten to the top of the ravine and crawled away from the river on hands and knees and had turned around once only to see that the black door was now at the edge of the ravine where she just climbed up, towering against the backdrop of trees and sky and completely shadowing her from the sun. No, 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 she began muttering to herself. I'm running. Fuck, it's right behind me, guys. What the fuck? She began panting again, her chest heaving across the ground. I felt a cold sweat against the back of my neck, watching her. A few of us had grabbed each other's hands, gripping for dear life, white-knuckled in our circle. After a few moments, Jay asked, Is it still behind you? A short gasp from Lorraine. Yes, she said. Every time I look back, it's... A few more gasping breaths. It's maybe ten feet from me. We waited as she panted across the forest floor, her body wriggling and writhing in distress. Then she let out a sharp cry. Loran? Jay's voice was alarmed. What is it? It's starting to appear next to me. Off to the side. Just not there one minute, and then there again in the next. Oh fuck you guys. Then she suddenly inhaled deeply. I see the clearing! Hurry! Jay muttered. Just let me know when you're there. Loran described looking over her shoulder and off into the woods on either side a few times. As she neared the clearing, she said she lost sight of the black door. She checked the woods one more time as her feet crossed the threshold before saying, Jay, I'm here, get me! Her voice cut off with a horribly loud scream, loud enough that every girl in the circle jumped. It's in the middle of the clearing!
1: Jay! Jay's fucking opening! Five, four, three, two, one,
0: open your eyes. Jay ripped her hands back off of Lauren's face. Lauren's. Eyes snapped open, and she sat bolt upright, one hand clutching at her throat. "'Oh, Jesus!' she said, gasping. "'Oh, holy shit!' We all closed in around her, asking a million questions. What did the door look like? Why was it following her? How was it opening, quickly or slowly? Did she get a glimpse of anything behind it? Who killed Hannibal? Once Lorraine (laughs) caught her breath and calmed down a little, she, she, she said that it had begun slowly swinging outward as she stepped into the clearing, so she didn't get a good look at what might have been behind the door. She noticed a pattern on the door, especially the few times that it had gotten close to her. And with a shaky hand, she took a stick and drew a long horizontal line with three shorter lines beneath it, two that were right next to each other, and a third one centered and a little below it. Around the line, she drew a circle. That's all I can remember clearly, she said. There was more, but those were the biggest designs, she drew a shaky breath. I know we're here to explore and learn, but you guys, I just don't i didn't want to get near that thing. She shivered visibly. There's something wrong with it. The bell rang across the forest and we all stood up, brushed dead needles from her clothes, and began the slow walk back to the school. Lorraine was unusually pale, and she kept rubbing in her eyes. Are you okay? I asked. Honestly, not really. She pinched the bridge of her nose as we walked. I have a splitting headache. I kind of thought you were making up that whole black door yesterday, you know, to make your session interesting. Her tone was slightly apologetic. "'I'm going tomorrow.' Elia's dumb, stupid voice <laughs> cut across the air as she fell into the step next to us. "'I don't know why you didn't just open it and see what was inside.' "'Yeah, you don't know, Elia!' Loran retorted sharply. "'The door felt... I don't know, it felt menacing. Like it was threatening me.'
1: "'I felt the same.'
0: I offered. "'Like it was stalking me, or something. It seems like it was
1: a lot more aggressive with you.'
0: Loran didn't answer, but the pinched look on her face spoke volumes. "'All the doors move.' Ellia quit. No door is
1: ever in the same exact place twice. Maybe this one just moves a lot more than the others. We won't know anything about it until we open it, and not knowing just makes us more afraid.
0: She squared her fat, stupid-looking shoulders as we trudged back into the main building.
1: I'm looking for it tomorrow, and if I see it, I'm opening it up. I want to know for sure what's behind this black door. I think uh, is fucked.
0: (laughs) I thought Ellia was a demon. I thought Elliot was a mole, and I thought that until she said, oh, "I'm gonna do it tomorrow," and now I don't think that.
1: Anymore. No, I think they're all kids. They're all kids. I think they're all kids. They're all kids. This is um, in my head because I'm 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 drinking, I'm smoking, you know, I'm visualizing. Um, you had when to tell cheese. When I read stories, you're cheesing. I'm cheesing.
0: Smoking, drinking, cheesing. Cheesing, and I. Am I cheese? I see
1: them in death. You have not cheese. Oh,
0: okay, interesting. I'm sorry yeah. about. Interesting. that. Interesting. No, that's that's interesting.
1: <clears throat> sorry, what? God, I'm sorry, I didn't make you grilled cheese. Okay, that's alright. <laughs> um, I imagine this almost like an Ari Aster flick, you know, like Midsummer or. Uh, or hereditary. It's it's just very blank, very straightforward, very unemotional. Sure. And it's just like uh, a day in the life of these girls, and it's just continuously getting worse. You know, it's it's almost like it would make a really good, uh, like, short YouTube, like, probably 30, 35-minute movie. Mm-hmm. Just cut down a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Um, I dig that. Yeah. Um... I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. I think it's
0: neat. Yeah, I'll it. Author's note. I may take a day off from writing until I get to the last part. I've been having trouble sleeping ever since I started recounting all these memories, and honestly, I just need to get a good night's sleep. If the next and last part takes a little longer to get posted, this is why. Recounting these memories has been cathartic in some way, but it's also taking a toll on me mentally and emotionally, and I'll be glad when it's done. Also, if you're listening to this podcast while driving, and your name is Steve... You're going to die. <laughs> Boom. I'm, re- I'm really scared for Steve now. Steve just crashed
1: his car. Goddamn. I slept badly again that night. I kept hearing a faint knocking sound in my sleep, but whenever I woke up, it would cease and I could only hear the sound of my parents and brothers sleeping in the rooms around me. At 3 a.m. I even got up, walked down to the landing, and checked my front door, but no one was there. My mom woke me up at 6.45am. My alarm had been blaring for the past five minutes, and I hadn't even heard it. She said she had to shake me a few times to get me up. I felt like my head was stuffed with sandpaper. At time, I didn't know what a hangover felt like, but looking back, I definitely peeled out of bed as if I'd participated in an all-night rager. It was dumping rain that day when we met at lunch at one of the corner cafeteria tables, everyone immediately started talking about how we'd squeeze our next session in. The woods were completely out, it was raining hard enough that the ground would be muddy swampland for the next few days. It was Friday, and if Elia didn't take her turn today, it would mean waiting until Monday to find out what was behind the black door, if the weather cooperated. Frankly, I was kind of in favor of stopping the game altogether, but when I said as much I got a,
0: quite of a bit of backlash. Cat, we know it's scary, but we don't know anything about it. Maybe Ellie is right, and we're just scared of it because it's, you know, unknown. Emery softened her words with a peace offering of JoJo's
1: from her plate, which I reluctantly accepted. I don't know, you guys, it's n- not just that we don't know what's behind it. We don't know what's behind at least four of the doors, and even the doors we've opened are still a little bit of a mystery. It just feels so invasive, like it's doing everything it can to get us to open it, almost leaving us no choice but to open it. It's not a door that we previously knew was going to be in the forest, and it showed up inside our clearing. I thought the clearing was supposed to be like a safe zone, where we pop in and out. I stuffed a piping on Jojo in my mouth when the world crashes on your head. Let the starchy warmth of spiced middle school cafeteria fries be your comfort. Jojo's a hash brown or something? I think a tater tot.
0: Oh, I thought Jojos were a hostess cake, okay, okay. but JoJo. it doesn't—that doesn't, that doesn't so. make any sense. About that. Yeah. I brought that up to Jay last night on the phone. Lorraine said quietly. She said, "Technically, we never decided to set the clearing as a safe zone or whatever. Some of us just assume it would be safe because nothing—nothing's ever followed us into it before."
1: Ellie sat down next to me, slapping her lunch tray on the linoleum cafeteria table.
0: I just called my mom from the payphone in the hall. She announced, "If you guys want, she's cool with having everyone over for her sleepover tonight."
1: Ellie rubbed her hands together,
0: silent picture villainesque. She was working a night shift, so we won't even have to keep the screaming down.
1: She winked at Laurent, who coolly flipped her off. A few had to check with their parents, including me, uh, Sheena. I called her S in a previous post because I needed time to check that she was okay with me posting her name. Said that she had plans already and couldn't make it. Jay joined us halfway through lunch, apparently caught in a long lecture by one of her teachers, and said she would definitely be at Elia's house later. Are you sure you want to do this in your house? Aubrey asked. I mean, we've always done it in the woods, she seemed about to say something else, but changed her mind at the last minute and began stabbing at the steamed vegetables at her plate listlessly.
0: Ellie shrugged. Not my first choice, but I don't want to wait three days to find out what's behind the door. I'm worried if we wait too long, it won't be there when we get back. She smiled wickedly. Besides, if something follows me back to my house, maybe it'll eat my sister first. Elia lived (laughs) with her mom and older sister
1: at her stupid fucking house (laughs) in the lower south side of my hometown. Not the wealthiest of neighborhoods, but still clean, respectable, and only a little rundown. Her mom was a nurse who had been pulling late-night, early-morning shifts for the past two years, so she was on her way out once we were all situated, sleeping bags strewn over the tiny living room, with three ordered pizzas and a massive box of Diet Cokes on the counter. After repeatedly telling us to call her if we needed her for anything, she left. The moment her little Toyota pulled out of the gravel drive and disappeared down the road, everyone turned in silent unison and looked at Jay. She scowled.
0: Can I finish my pizza first, you
1: assholes? I was nervous, but strangely less afraid than I had been for the past few days. Somehow in the slumber party setting, it actually felt more like the game again. My friends were all laughing and shoving each other as we all moved the furniture around to accommodate a circle of seven girls in the middle of the room, with Jay and Elia getting situated in the middle. Sheena's gonna be pissed that she
0: missed this someone said okay everyone chill for five seconds should we light some candles
1: very light as a feather stiff as a board jay i got up and helped emory pull a few emergency tapers from the kitchen setting them up around the outside of the circle seating area then we shut off the lights and a rapt stillness fell over everyone as elia settled her head in jay's lap and shut her eyes we began chanting Seven doors, seven doors,
0: seven doors. Oh yeah, seven doors.
1: Elias sank quickly, her entire body melting like pudding against the carpeted living room floor. It was warm, still, the light soft and hazy, and in the past few weeks, we had all gotten extremely good at chanting together at the same tone and volume <coughs> like we just did here on the couch, creating a rippling wave of soft noise that fell into the background and grabbed your focus all at once. Elia was out almost immediately, but Jay waited for a bit before signaling us to silence and asking softly, What do you see? It was strange to hear Elia's normal, brash, mischievous voice, so tiny, so childlike and far away.
0: I'm in the clearing. Jay, it's, it's really weird. The grass. She paused for what seemed like forever. What about the grass, Elia? The grass is brown. Dead, dry, straw brown, like what happens to her lawn at the end of the summer.
1: Elliot described herself touching the ground around her feet and then walking the edge of the clearing. She said that some of the leaves on the bushes right at the edge of the forest looked black, as if they'd been burned. I'm gonna walk south. She said. Elliot made her way, slowly, describing in elaborate detail everything she saw that might be noteworthy. Her intense personality was offset by a deep obsession with detail and a keen, perceptive eye. And I had to admit that her journeys were some of my favorites, as she painted such a vivid picture for the rest of us. Nice. The first ten minutes of Elia's journey were relatively uneventful. Here and there, she would see tiny patches of black underbrush, similar to the state of some of the plants at the edge of our clearing. Other parts of the woods were just as lush as ever, and she said she could hear birds, though she couldn't see any. She caught sight of what we had decided to call the Green Monkey a few weeks prior, a little primate-like creature with long tail and peacock-green fur that shone iridescent in the light of the sun, like the wing of a raven or a crow. She called to it a few times, but it seemed content to peer down at her, head cocked from one side to the other as she whistled and coaxed. Eventually, Elia grew tired of this little game and kept walking, and the monkey didn't fucking follow her stupid ass. End of the episode. She claimed that the woods were beginning to get darker the longer she walked through them, similar to Loran's experience of time passing as she explored the forest in a previous session. We were so wrapped in her description that when she abruptly said, I think I see a building. There were more than a few soft gasps from the circle. (laughs) Yeah. We'd found buildings through some of the doors, but we'd never found any sort of non-organic structure in our woods before. Elliot described what looked to be a large farmhouse or barn settled in a part of the woods that was less densely populated by foliage than the rest. There seemed to be smaller trees arranged in neat rows to the east of the building, planted in a bare open plot of earth edged by pine trees we were used to in the forest. The dark wooden structure loomed three stories high with windows looking out at each level and a high-pointed roof with rotting shingles covered in trailing green moss. And there was one door at ground level. It was entirely black. Son of a bitch! By black you mean... Jay looked uncertain, her question trailing off.
0: It's totally solid black. It looks like there's writings or carvings in the front of it.
1: Elia's voice quickened with excitement and nerves.
0: It may be the Sandor Lorraine and Catson.
1: Everyone was silent for a moment. I could tell that Jay was searching for something to ask when Elia said, I'm walking towards it. Aubrey grabbed my left hand and squeezed it. Fuck, I couldn't believe Elia was doing this.
0: I'm walking slowly. I'm about thirty feet away. No, twenty. Pause. The forest is really quiet again. I don't hear the birds anymore. A longer pause followed by... Okay, I'm going to keep walking. I'm about ten feet away. Now I'm almost up to it.
1: Elia's voice cut off in a small little choking noise. What? demanded Jay. What is it? Elia let out a slow, unsteady breath. I'd known her for years, and despite all her bluster and bravado, I could tell that she was shaken
0: by whatever she was looking at. There's a bunch of symbols and carvings in the door. I see the the pattern that Lorraine described. Lots of smaller shapes, lines intersecting, making stars and weird holes. Sort of like those illusion tunnels we drew with a protractor in our class. And... Jesus, okay, so...
1: Elia took a deeper breath.
0: So there's also a bunch of names.
1: What names? Jay was staring so intently down at Elia's face. I don't think she even remembered the rest of us were there.
0: Names like... Jimbo Schmidt, Betty 2x2, two two, The Big Cheese,
1: Rumble Foreskin.
0: <laughs> it's our names.
1: Jay was staring up already. In fuck.
0: Our names are all over the door.
1: I'll never be able to fully describe the sudden gut puckering, hot and cold dread that sank from my head to my feet in that moment. I felt like someone poured live ants down the inside of my back. Aubrey was nearly breaking my hand with her grip, and I just let her. My painful, squished knuckles were the only part of my body that wasn't crawling. Elliot described the location of each name. Hers was right above the circle. My name was right to the left of it. Laurence to the right. Jay below. The other girls' names flared at different points in between, creating a star of letters around the central symbol.
0: I'll draw what symbols I can remember when I get back,
1: Elias said quietly. She took a shaky breath.
0: But I'm going to open it.
1: Elia, don't! Emery squeaked. Jay didn't even reprimand her, but it was pointless anyway. Her attention was solely on Elia's face, as were all of ours. Elia described grabbing the black round doorknob and turning it slowly. She said it felt warm against her palm, as if she were taking a person's hand. The door was silent as it opened, but barely a whisper as Elia stepped back to pull it wide. Past the threshold, she could see what looked like the inside of a barn. Strawn littered a dirt floor, and it was horribly dark. Beams and support poles scattered around the wide open space in front of her. What else do you see? Jay asked, breathless. Not much, Elia responded. After a few moments, she said resolutely, "I'm going inside." Fuck, Elia! Stop it! Just come back. We saw what was inside, and now it's over. You did what you said you'd do. I spoke without really meaning to, but again, Jay didn't reprimand me. Tonight was a night for breaking rules and
0: doing stupid shit. Apparently, I'm already inside. Fuckface. It smells like, well, like a, a barn, like horses and dirt and hay. Elia's voice grew a
1: little stronger as the moments passed.
0: It's dark, but there's still some light coming in through the windows. It looks like there's some stalls and stairs leading up to a second floor. Everything is really... Here's where she paused, as if considering her next words carefully. Everything is... Gray. Even the forest outside the windows looks gray. Like an old black and white movie.
1: A pause, and Elia lifted her hand off the ground where she lay in her own living room.
0: Then... You know, like the seal song. ba ya ya ba ba da I'm looking at my arm and even my skin is white, like blanched white. There's no color anywhere. She describes herself walking towards the stairs
1: at the back of the barn,
0: looking around for a
1: lantern or flashlight or something to help her see. After a few moments, she stopped and said
0: uneasily, I I just noticed it now, but it's been happening since I walked in here. There's like a weird sound going on in the background. I don't know how else to describe it. It's super quiet, but kind of like low and choppy with a kind of low rumbling beneath it. Her voice became distant for a moment. Like I'm hearing a helicopter in an earthquake, but on the other side of the world. Jay wasn't even asking leading questions
1: anymore. We all just listened, silent, rapt, as Elliot described, reaching the stairs and taking a hold of the railing. As her hand touched the banister, she let out a sudden shriek. Baby, I (laughs) convey you to a kiss (laughs) from the
0: rose on the grave. Ooh. (laughs) The, the door. stranger feels a girl. The door. Fuck. The door just slammed shut behind me. No. Jesus, fuck. That scared me. Elia, yeah, you need to come back right fucking now, Jade said forcefully. It's fine. It's fine. Nothing else happened. Is that fine. The door closed. <laughs> I'm just... God, that fucking sound. It's still going. It's making my head hurt. It's like once I notice it, I can't stop hearing it. <laughs> like seals. cause
1: Baby! <laughs> Elia took a shaking breath and then reached for the banister again. She climbed the stairs, eyes straining up through the darkness. It looked like the stairs wrapped around and led up to a third level, but as Elia climbed, she casually glanced out the windows in the stairwell looking out over the orchard. Her breathing stopped for a moment and Jay gave her a little shake. "Elia." She let out a huge breath and began breathing a little faster.
0: "There's something coming through the orchard towards the barn like the the shadow of a person but not a person tall like almost as tall as the orchard trees a pause and then okay i'm getting the fuck out that's fucking nightmarish elia turned and
1: ran back down the way she came she said she raced for the black door at the entrance to the barn grabbed the knob and flung it open only to see the say gray landscape stretching out ahead of her that she could see through the windows the lush, colorful green forest she had trekked through to get here was gone. Shit. Elia said she tried shutting and reopening the black door a few times, willing the green forest back into existence, and every time it reopened onto the colorless world. And when she glanced over her shoulder, she said the tall shadow was almost to the barn.
0: You guys, what the fuck do I do? Do I just walk through and try to come back the way I came? It's, It's not the same forest. She
1: gasped sharply, suddenly, and then almost squealed out. It's here. It's looking in the window at me. Jay, I said in a panic. Jay, we have to pull her out now. The rules, she said distressed. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that's going to do. We're supposed to bring her back the right way or else something could go wrong. Do it, Jay, Elia said. Oh my God, please do it. Get me out, fuck the rules, just get me out now Jay sucked in a deep breath And then with a despairing look on her face She said, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 Open your eyes She pulled her hands back Off of Elias' face as if they burned her And Elias' eyes snapped open And she immediately sat up Hair disheveled and face pale We all stared at one another A sick feeling of dread falling over us Are you okay? I finally asked there used to
0: be a graying tower alone on sea. You came. <laughs> <again. laughs> yeah.
1: She's... Beautiful. She was quiet. She absently rubbed the side of her head.
0: Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine.
1: After we all calmed down a little, Elia drew what symbols she could remember from the door. To be honest, none of it made sense to us at all. Looking back now, some of it looked like sacred geometry that anyone might recognize, like mandalas and the the Tree of Life. I know this now, but didn't know what sacred geometry was when I was 12. Some of it was and still is gibberish to me. At that point, Jay suggested that we try to watch a movie and try to relax. Elia put in the cable guy, and the mood lightened somewhat. Someone made popcorn, but it mostly went uneaten. Three quarters of the way into the movie, almost everyone was in their sleeping bags, and we all decided to go to bed at that point. But even though the lights were all out, and everyone was trying to lie still with their eyes shut, I could tell that hardly any of us was really sleeping. I kept lifting my head to peek over at Elia's sleeping bag, watching her breath rise and fall beneath the thick synthetic fabric I couldn't shake the feeling that we had just really seriously messed up somehow here's my question Yeah.
0: how do they know about the rule that they should only be pulled out of the clearing
1: you know other people who played the game other rules of the game that I've heard of don't don't have that so I think it's just a, uh, a story thing a story device
0: but how? But plot but in the within the universe of the story. In the
1: context of the game, like <laughs> we, we kind of played this game last time. Yeah. Not specifically Seven Doors, but y- y- I I don't remember context like starting point, stopping point being a big thing because your dream is a dream, dr- The dreamscape is an ever flowing and evolving process. Right. I don't think it would be possible to ever even like metaphysically make it back to the same identical spot. <clears throat> right. Um your brain doesn't focus on that much detail. Dreams don't work like right. right. yeah. yeah, dreams don't work like that. When you're running away from something in your dream, you're never running back through the direction you just came in. You're immediately in right. s- somewhere worse with less fortunate circumstances yeah. and it's just awful. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a mechanism, but we'll see how it works we'll out. We'll see how it works. I'm still not feeling great. I woke up from a bad night's sleep with horrible cramps and pain in my stomach. My little break from writing didn't do so much, so I figured I'll just plow on ahead. The sooner I can get this story out, the sooner I'll be able to put it behind me again. I've been adding a link to the main symbol I'm referencing in some of these images after getting a few private messages asking me to see it. It's extremely simplistic, but I think represents something else. I don't think there are any negative effects associated with just looking at it, but if you're worried or concerned, then simply don't click the link at the bottom of the story. I'll post more tomorrow. Be safe, everyone.
0: <clears throat> the weekend was a mess of anxiety and apprehension. I called Elia once on Saturday, and on Sunday, to check in on her and make sure she was okay. By the time I got her phone Sunday afternoon, she sounded pissed.
1: Look. It's sweet that you're all worried, but everyone's been calling me
0: all day, all weekend. I'm fucking fine. I'll see you tomorrow. She hung up abruptly. Jay was off hiking with her parents all day. I got a few of the others on the phone, but there were no solid theories on what we might have stumbled into. Elliot wasn't talking much, and apparently it was all over the phone calls she was getting. It was 1996, so there wasn't much information on the internet. Just Pokemon. Or even much of an internet at all. <laughs> right. Still, got a call 6pm Sunday night from Sheena, who hadn't been in sleepover on Friday, but had been since filled in on what happened. You got a sec? She said when I took the phone from my mom. Yeah, we just finished eating. What's up?
1: Okay, so I've been keeping track of all the symbols that we've seen on the door. This afternoon, I slipped into a chat room on AOL called Esoterica. Nice. Usually it's just a lot of Wiccan fluff and throwback new age stuff from the 70s, but sometimes a few hardcore occultists float through and spew nonsense for a while before being booted by a mod. I decided to scan in photos of that big symbol that Loran first saw in the middle of the door and the other symbols that Elia remembered and post them all to the room, just to see if anyone recognized anything or knew what it might be.
0: I heard the shuffling of papers on the other end of the line.
1: Most of the conjecture didn't seem to go anywhere, but one guy, uh, user EnochLiv77, he said some stuff that kind of made sense.
0: Enoch lives 77 Yeah. Sheena sounded embarrassed. This chat room was pretty intense, like
1: people believing that they're vampires and stuff. That was definitely not the weirdest username I
0: saw. I sighed. Nice. Okay, well, what did Mr. 77 have to say? He said he recognized one of the symbols at the top of the door, the one that looked like spokes on a wheel.
1: He said it was an old Sumerian sign called Dinjir, and that it meant, like, God or Deity. He said that if archaeologists usually find it on plaques or carvings or whatever, and it comes before someone's name, that means that that person is some sort of deity or higher being. Sumerian. Uh, like the oldest civilization? Remember in history class we did that whole Mesopotamia thing and we read Gilgamesh for two weeks?
0: Sheena paused, adding...
1: Jay almost failed her final because she kept slipping her headphones in during the class readings. It was when she finally got frog stomp and she could barely function unless she listened to it at least
0: twice a day. Oh yeah, Jesus. I glanced over my shoulder to check and make sure that my mom was still in the living room and slipped into the hallway, dragging the phone cord with me. How would anyone in a chat room know that? Apparently they geek out hard over this stuff. Okay, so one of the marks on the door means deity. Super special powered person. Did they say anything else?
1: Well, once we got on the Sumerian track, he mentioned that another symbol right below it could be called...
0: More shuffling of papers in the background, and then Sheena's voice butchering the pronunciation.
1: Usbalkit. He said that some people are still arguing about the meaning of some of these words. This one sometimes means rebel or revolt, but it can also mean to, like, turn something upside down or reverse it. He said he wasn't sure but that the second meaning would make more sense in this case.
0: So, what, so the the top of the door reads God reverse?
1: No, no. It would be more like God upside down or the upside down God,
0: I guess. Silence hung over the line. The quiet static of a landline dead air hissed faintly in my eardrums as my heart pounded. Finally I spoke up. But this is just from some dude in a chat room, right? Yeah. Sheena sounded uncertain. Honestly, Kat, none of us know what the fuck we're really doing here.
1: I think it was fun when we started, but now I just feel like, I don't know, like we're way out of our depth. Even if what this guy is saying is totally wacko, what you guys described that happened on Friday night, I just, I don't think we should play anymore.
0: I don't either. I unwound the phone cord from around my finger. It was wound so tight that the tip of my index finger was starting to turn blue. Okay, I have to go. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about what you found out then with the others. Sweet dreams, Kat. <laughs> Bye, Sheena. I was late to school. My alarm once again failed to wake me, and my mom was pissed. She told me she wouldn't let me stay over at anyone's house anymore if I kept throwing off my sleep schedule. I told her that I had been sleeping badly. She blamed the computer and too much TV and whatever else she could muster up before telling me that I had to lay off the pot from now on. I kissed her cheek and slid out of the car without a word, heading towards my second period class. By lunchtime, I was already dragging. My stomach was queasy, so I didn't even get food, but I brought a huge 16-ounce jolt cola, don't do that, before finding the table my friends usually sat at. Can't drink jolt anymore because I had so much jolt as a kid that I'm fucking
1: dead now. also so hard to find.
0: (laughs) Elia wasn't there.
1: She's at home sick.
0: Aubrey reported gravely.
1: Something about her stomach. Her mom said she puked twice this morning.
0: We all stared at one another for a moment. Guys, this is getting really fucked up. I listlessly twisted and untwisted the cap of my plastic cola bottle. Yeah. Loran slapped the hand on my shoulder briefly.
1: I feel like we need to stop playing, but I also feel like we need to undo whatever
0: the hell it was we just did first. She absently rubbed her forehead.
1: I haven't been feeling well either. Like, kind of sick and I sleep like shit.
0: Surprisingly, everyone else started piping in. Apparently no one in our group had gotten a solid night of shut-eye in the past week.
1: Well, if you'd like to sleep even worse, then pay close attention.
0: Sheena then related what she had told me the previous evening. She pulled out her copies of the symbols Lorraine and Elia had drawn and spread them out over the table, pointing to the ones she was referring to. After she was done, everyone was pensive. We have to help Elia. There's no way she's just conveniently sick after going through the black door. Aubrey was staring down at the symbols, brow furrowed. So, what do we do exactly to fix it? Everyone looked at Jay. She was chewing pensively on her lower lip, eyes thoughtful.
1: When we pulled her out, she was behind a door. She couldn't see a way to get back to the clearing. Maybe we should try to send someone in and get back to the correct entry point. Maybe doing it the right way will set everything back to normal.
0: Okay, I like Jay. But but that was stupid. That's a stupid fucking idea. idea. But now we're going to do the stupid fucking idea. Everyone thought about that stupid fucking idea for a moment.
1: And what if it doesn't?
0: Loran asked, smartly.
1: Well, we don't have a better plan. We can't leave things the way they are. We broke the rules, and I don't see how going back in could make it any worse at this point. Was, well, I can think of a bunch of worse <laughs> Actually, I can think of, like, twelve, like, right now. But maybe we can make it better. Nope. Chase <laughs> stabbed at the cafeteria
0: spaghetti on her plate with her fork.
1: That's even worse. You don't eat spaghetti like that. You swirl. You swirl to get the noodles. Anyone else have a better idea? Yes. Anyone else have a spoon? <laughs>
0: yes. Yes, we have a better idea. Silence. <laughs> Great, then we're doing it. Sheena piped up.
1: So who's going to go in next?
0: Everyone took that moment to study their lunch trays closely, avoiding eye contact with <laughs> anyone else around the table. For fuck's sake. I said, exasperated, I'll go in. We'll plan on tomorrow. Jay nodded. Tomorrow then. That night, I fell asleep over my homework twice, and each time, faintly, I swear I could hear a low, far-off rumbling just at the edge of my hearing, with a slightly louder whop-whop-whop whop, 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 whop <coughs> layered over it. I'd wake up maybe ten minutes after drifting off, my head splitting and my face crumpled forward against my textbook. The second time when I awoke, I found that I had drawn a small symbol in the corner of my spiral notebook paper, a small circle, with a long horizontal line across the top and three smaller lines below. Same symbol, Loran had seen a black door. I felt that we were all spiraling, that Elia's current state would befall all of us if we just left things the way they were. I knew that if someone didn't do something my own situation and everyone else's was only going to deteriorate. Maybe there was no way out, really. But I decided that night as I settled in for a fitful round of sleep that if this was my last time entering whatever realm we tapped into, I'd try to make it count. Part five. Author's note. This is stupidly long, and it gets really weird from here on out. Thank you for sticking with me this far and listening to my story. This was the hardest part to write, so I appreciate everyone's patience. I'm trying to avoid overlong posts as this experience and my recounting of it starts coming to its end. I've heard a lot of amazing insight from the community, and even more unanswered questions as well. Some people have mentioned seeing the same symbol, both in comments and private PMs. I'm not sure what this means, but if what they're saying is true, and more people have seen it. I'm afraid that what I did at the end of my story may not have worked the way I thought it did. More on that in the next post. In the meantime, please stop sending me dick pics and stay safe.
1: <laughs> um, any thoughts?
0: They're gonna fuck it up. They're gonna fuck it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna fuck it up.
0: They're, They're gonna, gonna, gonna fuck, fuck it up. It
1: up. Hey. Boop, boop. Um, I agree. And, um... I'm excited to see how How much more they fuck it up. Uh, I would have loved a Ten Little Indians thing. I would have loved a Freddy, you know, kind of, like... It starts to influence their days when they start to actually dream it. Mm -hmm. It happens at night, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, things just continuously get worse. Like, that's actually, like, a pretty good movie plot. It's, like, backwards Freddy. Um, There is no him. There's just a place. And the place starts off nice and everyone connects to it and then slowly it starts to go sour because someone is fucking around with something Sure. that's pretty neat and it's a cool plot device
0: I like it are you
1: ready my head rested against Jay's crossed ankles eyes staring up at the sky beyond her head it was a gorgeous day crystal blue skies and wisps of white cotton clouds danced past the tops of the trees straight above me it was actually warm for the first time in a long time, everyone around me in the circle seemed lit in a soft fire as the afternoon sunlight broke through the pine trees and scattered like liquid gold to the forest floor beneath. I took it all in for a second and then sucked in a breath, shutting my eyes. Ready.
0: Seven, seven, doors, doors, seven, doors, doors, seven doors, doors, doors. Seven doors. Seven doors. Seven doors. doors seven doors. Seven doors. Seven doors. doors Elias. Seven doors.
1: <laughs> I was nervous. I had no idea how I was ever going to relax enough to slip into the altered state I had become so familiar with at this point, but suddenly it was happening. I sank. My vision receding into darkness, and the voices of the girls seemed to come from far away as if I had dropped underwater. I shivered, and when I faintly heard Jay ask... What do you see? I opened my eyes. I was in a huge, expansive field. The sky, the tall grass that brushed against my jeans, the few small birds in the sky, all were gray, like I had stepped into an old black-and-white movie. All color leached from everything, including as I looked down at myself, me. And when I raised my eyes, I nearly jumped. A sharp gasp escaped my lips, and from very, very far away, I could hear Jay's voice. What is it? I'm surrounded, I whispered. They're all around me. They stood on four legs, soft, sable fur glimmering in the dull gray light. Bristling antlers towered towards the sky, ending in wickedly sharp points, tipped dark with some unknown glimmering liquid. They looked like elk, but larger, and in the center of each velvety forehead opened a third eye, unblinking and staring. They surrounded me in a circle, and they were staring at me. Jay, I whispered. Jay, what do I do?
0: Just... Move very slowly. And don't piss them off, please. We've got enough shit to worry about right now without adding to it. I
1: took a few hesitant steps towards one edge of the circle. The elk seemed disinclined to move, but as I approached almost touching one of them, it shifted to the side slowly to allow me to pass. The circle closed behind me. Maybe they're protectors of the zone. True. And I could feel the weight of their enormous bodies antlers clicking as they tapped against one another moving in unison ahead in the distance I could see the tree line of a forest and before that tree line a huge building towered rows of smaller trees laid out across its front lawn like a small orchard it reminded me of those plantation houses in the south now that's creepiest. Nice. <clears> that yeah. you just took stupid ass Pennsylvania farmhouse and made it like skeleton key right that's actually fucking
0: terrifying There's yeah
1: it's elaborate and impressive in its physicality, but also wilting with crumbling shingles and dark moss claiming the corners of ceilings and the base of columns.
0: It's like some like voodoo bayou, like yeah. deep south. Like, yeah, yeah, dark. yeah.
1: It reminds me of Stay Alive a little bit. Yeah. I'm imagining that same like mansion that yeah. they have to run through. In the background, I started Die in the game. You die for real. <laughs> sorry in the background, it's all coming
0: full circle if you die if in the you die, podcast you die in your life
1: I mean that's true too but was I was saying, I was talking about seven doors if you die in the game you die for it in the background I started hearing a low almost imperceptible noise the low rumbling of a far off earthquake and a softer chopping noise layered over top I described it to Jay as I began walking forward the tall grass, the mansion looming up ahead of me. The low rumbering rumbering sound encroached on the edge of my hearing. It was always there, subversive and barely loud enough to pick up, but for some reason the hairs had been standing up on my arms the moment I opened my eyes in the field. As I finished describing the scene for the others, I heard a faint sound coming from the building ahead of me. It sounded like a phrase, like someone was repeating something over and over, but at the end of the jumble of words, I could distinctly make out one syllable. Cat. Fuck. Guys, I whispered. I think it's Ellie's voice. I took off in a light jog, booking it through the high grass that slapped against my legs as I ran. Surprisingly, the herd of elk followed. They kept a median distance behind me, but they moved like a silent tide over the field, spreading out behind me in a wall of antlers and muscle. As I approached the house, they fell back, marking a line about 50 feet from the front entrance with their bodies. They fell still, silently watching me as I approached the huge front porch. The windows were dark. I couldn't see anything beyond the faded, cracked panes of glass, so no sign or indication of what lay inside waiting for me. The voice was a little stronger, yet I still struggled to make out the entire phrase. I simply heard a jumble of words, followed by... repeated over and over, in discordant sing-song melody. Now that I was closer, it was even more certain that it sounded like Elia. There's nothing on the porch, I whispered. It's bare, no furniture, nothing. As I approached the door, I balked. The front door loomed dark and heavy against the white wooden building, and I knew immediately that it was at once familiar and dreaded black door. Yet, something about it had changed. I swallowed and stepped forward cautiously, the porch creaking softly under my weight. The large symbol in the middle of the door was different from what Loran and Elia had described. There was still a circle, A long horizontal line and two bottom lines beneath it, but where the third and lowest line had cut across the bottom of the circle, now it was replaced with a long outline of an ovoid shape with a circle in the center of that shape, and as I looked, something dark stained the white wood wall next to the door. Maybe I was seeing things or recognizing a pattern where there wasn't any, but it looked like there was a handprint against the doorframe. A dark central palm with long, ragged-looking fingers stretching out, reaching in towards the doorknob. Reminds me of uh, Pan's Labyrinth Mm -hmm. when she goes into the freaky land.
0: Also, I think that symbol's an eye. uh, Yeah, I thought
1: it was an eye, too. My eyes took it in and that keening, rumbling noise at the edge of my hearing seemed to intensify, filling my eardrums. I found my right hand lifting, slowly reaching out towards that handprint, my limbs shaking, my body shaking, my organs and my heart and my lungs rumbling and quivering and becoming that noise, until I heard nothing else and saw nothing else as I reached, palm desperately wanting to press into the blackness of its hand. Pain exploded on the right side of my body, and I was launched sideways, sprawling over the porch, wrists and heads slapping against the wood like a rag doll. One of the members of the elk herd had climbed the porch and stood towering over me, antlers shadowed against the gray sky behind him. It stared down at me as I gasped for breath on the ground, ice in my lungs, my head bursting with pain, and my ribs bruised. Jay's voice seemed to whisper from far away What happened? I. Fuck Nothing I just need to get out of here fast The elk snorted at me and I perceived a contemptuous note in its heavy breath Before it backed off the porch and stood in the grass in front of the mansion Watching me impassively I scrambled to my feet and approached the door Keeping my eyes off the grotesque handprint and reaching for the doorknob I noticed with trepidation the names of all my friends carved into the wood and at the top of the circle, where Elia had claimed her name had been, I now saw the name Catherine. I opened the door. The mansion expanded around me, massive. The ceiling was as high as a cathedral, with arching points and angled apexes, nothing at all what it might have looked from the outside. Everything was pale, white, but there was an insidious darkness that hung heavy, coalescing in every nook and cranny and settling as if waiting for me to do something. Because of the unique architecture, there were corners everywhere, not just in the walls, but on the ceiling, as it sloped and dipped, arched and folded, and met itself again in high peaks, pointed up towards the sky and beyond. The massive space was decorated with strange furniture, unidentifiable to me, and again, there seemed to be extra edges to things, as if I was looking at one of those magic eye pictures where illusions pop out of flat spaces, like an M.C. Escher. Mm -hmm. I had a headache immediately as my eyes tried to make sense of it all, and I couldn't, like me looking at an M.C. Escher. There were two staircases lining the walls, leading up to a second-floor balcony and dark hallways beyond. Ahead of me at the far end of the large entryway seemed to be a huge looming structure, a structure that I felt an immediate aversion to. A sick, gut deeper revulsion shook through me every time my eyes tried to focus on it. It seemed a tangled mess of angles and shapes that moved with slow, undulating purpose out of the corner of my eye. Yet when I grew close to looking at it, it went still. An indecipherable statue in an indecipherable room. At its base, hunched over in a curled ball was someone that looked like Elia. Jay, I see Elia. Jesus, she's still in here. I kept my eyes on her form, refusing to look at the large structure she was huddled in front of any longer. I'm moving towards her. Maybe if I get her out of here, this whole thing will be over. A garbled whisper hissed in my ear. It sounded like Jay, but it was as if she were talking over a malfunctioning walkie talkie, and I could barely make out every other word. Kind of. I heard through the static. Elia, I whispered sharply as I got closer. Elia, it's Kat. She was muttering to herself, unintelligible words interspersed with what sounded like my name. I inched closer towards her, fingers reaching out to grasp her shoulder. If I could just get her out of here, get her back to the clearing, have Jay pull us out. My fingers. Fingles. My fingers touched her shoulder just as. Her muttered words finally unjumbled and became clear. Curiosity killed the cat. She uncurled, then, and turned to look back at me. It was Elia's face, but her eyes were fathomless, completely black, not empty but filled with a vastness and an unending void so deep that it terrified me. It felt like looking at a moonless night sky, but instead of standing grounded on my backyard patio, I had stepped out beyond the sky, beyond the stars and planets, as if everything recognizable and warm was behind me, and I was right on the edge where only the blackness remained. I stared at it, and it stared right back. I snatched my hand back as if I'd been burned, and she slowly stood up to face me. She kept repeating the phrase, Curiosity killed the cat. And as she straightened onto her feet, she cocked her head to the side, as if listening to something far off. But then she kept going, her head bending further and further to the side, until I was sure her neck would snap, and it still kept going, turning around in a horrifying slow-motion circle, those eyes staring at me until her head had turned all the way around and her chin pointed up towards the ceiling while her long hair dangled down the front of her body. Her mouth opened wide, the sentient vastness of the abyss beyond the cavern of her mouth, and she screamed, multiple voices crying in an agony and rage that rocked me to my core. I ran. I ran so far away. I have never <laughs> felt such blinding terror before. Terror. Or since. There was no reason. No plan, no strategy to where I was going. I simply threw myself forward into an available empty space that would take me, feet pounding against white wooden floorboards as I sprinted towards the front of the building. The black door slammed shut as I reached it, and I let out a strangled, helpless cry, trying the knob once before letting go as the door refused to budge. I turned and ran for the stairs, Elia's twisted, shuddering shape making its way towards me and stuttering half-step. Up the stairs, two steps at a time, legs and lungs burning, my eyes watered and my vision blurred. I heard a horrible crunch as I reached the top of the stairs and I turned to look behind me. Elia's form had reached the bottom step and she had fallen forward, catching herself on her arms, limbs lengthening in horrible proportions as she began crawling up each step with unearthly speed her horrible, turned head wobbling back and forth in grotesque fashion. Her mouth was still wide open, still screaming wordlessly at my retreating form, and I turned and sprinted down the dark hallway. The ceiling was high, shadows stretching above me into nothingness. I threw myself around the corner at the end of the hall, only to find another stretch of hallway in front of me. With Elia close behind, I ran further into the darkness, Elia's enraged screams echoing around me. The rumbling background sound had grown more intense, pulsating through me and vibrating my bones as I bounced off walls and skidded around corners, grasping for breath. No matter how many bursts of speed I put on, how many times I thought I'd lose her, she was soon on my trail again, crawling like some unearthly animal, long legs and arms stretching, snapping forward. I glanced behind me, terror rising anew as I saw her skid around the corner I just cleared, and as my head turned from the corner of my eye, I saw the glimpse of color, a flash of deep red in the darkness. To my right down a side hallway, there was a red door, I should have questioned it, but there was no time. I hurtled towards it, Elia grabbing at my heels and reaching out for the doorknob, turning it in an instant and shoving it open. Light poured through the door, illuminating the hallway, and as I turned to slam the door shut, I caught a glimpse of Elia. She was crawling on the ceiling, hands and feet gripping the darkened wood as her face now right right side up, because of the angle hung down, almost level with my own, with her mouth split into a wicked grin.
0: Curiosity killed the.
1: I slammed the door shut, leaning against it hard. Thump. The door shook violently, rattling against my back. I squeezed my eyes shut and pressed harder against it. Lips clamped together to stifle my own cries. Thump, thump, thump. Go away, go away, go away. After a few moments, the door finally fell still. All sound from the other side ceased. I stood drenched in sweat and gasping for breath in the golden gilt courtyard we always entered when we stepped through the red door in the past impossibly tall buildings rose high above me glittering in the light of a deep crimson sunset the air was cooling but the sparkling bricks and walls around me radiated the ambient heat of a long hot day coming to a close jay i said hoarsely jay can you hear me
0: yes god finally are you okay what's happening I've been babbling nonsense and hyperventilating for the past five minutes. I was about to send someone to call 911. Jay, Elia,
1: she's a rush of hot wind tousled my hair, caressing my face. A shadow passed over the courtyard, and I quailed, looking up as a dark shape suddenly dropped down from the air onto the cobbled pavement in front of me. An owl, huge, almost as tall as me, scrabbled its talons against the gilt stonework. It cocked its head at me once, twice, and seemed to shiver, shake out its feathers, twitching uncomfortably. And then a woman's head unfurled, standing tall, much taller than me, the feathers of the owl settling and draping over her body like a fine gown. She folded a pair of wings against her back, her eyes were impossibly large, nearly filled with luminescent red irises shot with gold, huge, unchanging black pupils swallowing the middle.
0: Cat, what is it? What do you see?
1: Her crimson lips curled in a smile. Her voice was otherworldly intense, so uncanny that it raised the hairs on the back of my neck the moment
0: she spoke. I've been waiting for you.
1: Damn, that's where that part ended. Fuck. You just want to finish it? Yeah. Last part.
0: "'What do you see?' "'Give me a second, I whispered back. The woman paced in front of me. She seemed to have a hard time sitting completely still. While her eyes remained wrapped and focused on me, her head shifted this way and that at every noise, tilting almost imperceptibly against the breeze. Her wings shifted and ruffled constantly, giving the impression of a tireless energy, an intense power held at bay.
1: "'You are younger than I expected,' she said after a moment. "'Not yet a woman, but the smell of your blood is much older.'
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. The smell of my blood? My knees nearly liquefied. Her presence was crushing, as if I was standing in front of every leader of every major country on Earth and required to give a speech on a topic I hadn't studied for. I was still pressed hard against the red door and refused to move forward into her wingspan. I I swallowed, clearing the sudden lump in my throat. I apologize, um, but I don't know what that means. She seemed to find that funny.
1: You are truly a youngling, and yet you and the others wander through this expanse with such relative ease. We have watched you ever since you stepped through that door."
0: Her gaze snapped to the red door behind my back, then back down to my face, obvious interest unveiled on her features.
1: "'You have something that would be very valuable to many here.'"
0: I didn't know what to say to that. I opened my mouth to ask what she meant, but she suddenly cocked her head sharply to the side, pupils contracting to tiny pinpoints of black in a sea of red and gold.
1: "'It encroaches.' Whatever you've done to disturb it, it now presses its influence between the expanses.
0: Her gaze flicked back to me.
1: You are here to clean up your mess, yes?
0: Uh, I... Uh, yes. That's the goal. It felt absurdly like I'd forgotten something extremely important when talking to her. As if she were in on an inside joke that she expected me to join her in, and yet I didn't know what it was. It's coming closer. She shook her head, feathers ruffling around her face for a moment, her wings expanded...
1: It may know that you are here. I tire of holding this form, but I will give you this. That its door and itself are intrinsically connected. It is a being of gateways, of passages, of in-betweens and not-places. What you do to its gateway, you do to itself.
0: She shuddered before I could get a word out, shivered, and hunched forward. in, In an undulating ripple of feathers, the woman was gone, and the owl blinked at me. Wickedly hooked beak flashing in the eternal sunset. It flapped its wings in a powerful downbeat and lifted off the ground, rising higher overhead before clearing the skyline of buildings and disappearing, taking off into the twilight. Jay, I said quietly when she was gone, I think I have an idea. What happened? I'll tell you, I promise, but just bear with me. I may not be able to talk much. I took off in a light run, keeping my eyes peeled for anything that would seem out of place in this red gold world. Every few moments, a shadow would fall across me as a dark shape would fly overhead between buildings. Like every time before, when we had explored the world behind the red door, I was watched from a distance. I wondered if it were only the owl woman watching, or if there were more like her, far above me in the sky. And then as I reached a wide open marketplace, empty of stalls or beings, I heard it. A low rumbling, with a choppier sound layered on top. Fuck. It's here, Jay, I don't have much time. I walked out to the center of the empty marketplace, turning in a slow circle, watching the nearby buildings and doors. When I say so, I need everyone in the circle, including you, to picture the green door in your minds. Try not to think of anything else but just the green door. Got it?
1: Oh, okay, we can do that. What are you doing?
0: Right now? I'm waiting. The noise grew, not louder, but intensified, sending low vibrations throughout my body. The gilt cobblestone beneath my feet seemed to shiver through the bottoms of my shoes, and I kept turning, barely blinking, staring hard in the surrounding architecture. On my third turn in this manner, I saw it. The low vibrations is just
1: uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Good vibrations, like the backbeat, like slowly playing, and then like whenever the door shows up, it's like,
0: good vibrations. Whenever the
1: door shows up, it's just like, yo, it's about that time to bring forth the rhythm and the rhyme. <laughs> That would be terrible. And then Marky Mark walks out, and his head turns upside down, and you he's see the fighter. He sprouts spider limbs.
0: I was in the fighter.
1: <laughs> oh shit! All
0: right, I said quietly. If I die or go crazy, you guys had better come in and fix this. No promises, Jay said wryly. I could sense her attempt at humor, at apparently appropriate in this moment, <laughs> but underneath her voice there was a slight tremble. She was scared. That made two of us. I walked slowly towards the door. It looked the same as it had, had before, but larger, looming against the backdrop of a glittering golden wall set on the far end of the marketplace. I was a tall girl, and the doorknob was almost as high as my eye level, making me feel like a child again. I turned it, and purposefully pulled the door open.
1: Have I ever told you that I just find, like, proportional things very creepy? Like... Things uh, that are out of proportion? Like people that are that are big, but, like, still, like, uh, like... Their version of Proportionally Accurate, but off from ours. Like, uh, just... Like, I used to have nightmares of just, like, enormous people. Tall just be- people. Just being in, like... Well, not just tall people. I'm not talking, like, I... If I saw Yao Ming in the streets, I wouldn't start crying. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, little nightmares. Like six You know, foot. like, Like, um, six foot. Like, uh, like, old school stories of, like, giants and shit. Like, yeah. Attack on yeah, Titans weirds yeah, yeah. sure. me sure. the fuck out. Sure. There's, like, an Uncanny Valley thing about it. Sure. Um... And it's just, like, the idea of, like, people are already terrifying. Mm-hmm. Take a terrifying person and make him 16 feet
0: tall. More terrifying. <laughs> more, more terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very... <laughs>
1: that's the math.
0: That's very animal, human. I get that. Yeah. The inside of a barn to me, heavily obscured in shadows, dead straw and dirt scattering into the darkness ahead of me. I took a deep breath and stepped through. The moment I crossed the threshold, I was once again in the gray world, color gone and that distant noise thrumming him through my bones. But this time, I turned and immediately shut the door behind me. Jay, I whispered, now, now, do it, the green door. Come on, you guys, I heard Jay say. Her voice was muffled and far away, but I heard her, and with that, I pushed the black door back open. The red world was gone, and in front of me were the blanched gray woods, so similar and yet so different from the worlds, from the woods we had created ourselves. I stepped back outside, heading purposefully into the forest. I had taken a few steps when I heard a deep, heavy thrumming, and glanced over my shoulder back towards the pond. It stood there in front of the black door. It was tall, much taller than the threshold of the door, and roughly humanoid shape, but dark, like a hole had opened up the world and taken on sentient form. The edges of its shape seemed to bend and warp the atmosphere immediately around it. As I stared, the darkness seemed to deepen, and I thought I began catching glimpses of something else. Far beyond in the blackness there began to appear the hints of a shape or shapes shapes with extra edges with lines and dips and divots and points in places that made no sense undulating and unsettling movement only when my eyes looked elsewhere my stomach churned in a revolting repulsion my eyes desperately wanting to reject what i was seeing i felt a trickle of wetness slide down my cheek as i stared and i reached up to wipe my eyes my fingers coming away stained with blood my head was pounding my very thoughts squeezing under its heavy weight, and as I stepped back, it seemed to take a step towards me. And then another. Fuck no. I turned and ran, hurtling into the trees. Jay! I cried. Come on, you guys! I need that green door! She didn't answer. The force around me kept flickering, shifting in a cacophony of buzzing noises and that deep, rumbling sound. Trees were to my left or right in one moment, and then suddenly in front of me in the next, and I had to keep changing my direction. A few times I slammed into tree trunks, scrabbling in a panic against the ground as I regained my footing. I glanced behind me a few times, and always the shadow followed, seeming to never lose ground, but always gaining a little. Following steadily behind me, long limbs moving in disquieting asynchronicity with the patience and dark purpose of something that has all the time in the world, I felt myself weakening. It was different from getting tired in the physical world. I suddenly felt less, as if I were a canister of water that had cracked and was slowly spilling my contents out onto the ground around me. My vision began blurring, tunneling at the edges nausea overtook me and i was panting heavily sweat and a darker liquid sliding down the sides of my face into my eyes it's thrumming deep bone cracking sound sunk into my body and i could feel it squeezing pressing emptying jay i whispered weakly and tripped over a tree root that had suddenly appeared on my path i hit the ground hard breath escaping my lungs in a heavy grunt and i turned onto my back as the shadow closed in on me reaching ever taller in the sky its edges rippling like the surface of a puddle had begun to spread. J. I scrambled backwards, and then my hands touched something underneath me. <laughs> something that felt wholly alien compared to the pine needle covered ground. Smooth, solid wood, in the shape of a doorknob. I glanced down. The green door had appeared directly underneath my body, lying on the ground. I didn't hesitate, but gripped the knob hard and turned it, allowing the door to fall open beneath my body. I flew downwards, my brain spinning at the shift in orientation, and I landed heavily on the sandy shore of the grotto, sprawling with the green door open in the cave wall in front of me. I could see the grey sky through the door, and as I scrambled to my feet, the dark shadow bent over the door, blocking out the sky, filling the opening as it tried to reach through. I swiftly leapt forward, grabbed the edge of the door, and slammed it shut in its face. (laughs) I held it closed for a moment, panting. If you want me, asshole, I whispered, you'll have to come in here the hard way. I turned and faced the grotto. It was exactly as we had left it. Gorgeous, luminescent algae made the water glow, while threads of fungus wore a tapestry of green, blue, and purple across the rock walls. The far edge of the underground cavern opened up in the landscape and sky far above, but what I focused on now was the little camp that had always been at the edge of the water. The tent and the campfire blazing merrily away in a fire pit dug in the sand. I moved quickly. I knew it would have an easier time pressing into the expanse this time. And I swiftly knocked over the tent, stepping hard on the fabric and pulling up with all my strength, ripping it open. I removed one of the tent poles and snapped it in a similar way, using my weight to bend and break the flexible wood. I quickly bound the shattered pieces together with the shredded tent canvas and repeated this a few times until I at last had four bundles of wood down in cloth. A deep rumbling filled the air. I turned to face the far cavern wall. In the space of a blink, there was a smooth rock wall, and then this black door was there. Ominous in its height, a black stain in this beautiful place. I moved fast, my heart pounding. No time to question or quail. Just do what you need to do next. I grabbed one end of the, one end of one of the bundles and passed the other end through the campfire. It took a few tries, but soon the thick wood and bundled fabric caught fire. I looked up as I straightened and noticed that this time it, it wasn't waiting for me. The door had begun slowly swinging outwards on its own. I approached it quickly, and as it swung open, there was... Standing in a far-off field of gray grass, a stark black wound against the sky, tall and impossible, he began walking towards me. I held my breath, swung my arms back with all my strength, and tossed the flaming bundle through the door. The last thing I saw through the door was an eruption of white, colorless flame as the bundle landed in that dry sea of dead grass and immediately caught fire. My eardrums nearly burst at the explosion of sound that reverberated through that fathomless thing, and I gripped the edge of the black door and shoved it closed with all my strength. I wasn't done yet. Two more bundles went against the base of the door, and with the third I lit on fire just as I had the first bundle. With my flaming prize in hand, I stalked towards the locked door. Thunk! It rattled and shook. The knob turned furiously back and forth. I carefully bent down and placed the flaming bundle against the others, propping it up so that the fire would have a stable base. Thunk! I lunged back. The door bowed outward, an unearthly rumbling filling the cavern for a moment, wood screeching in protest, and then the fire caught and blazed, stronger and stronger finding purchase in the kindling I had provided, and began to steadily work its way up the surface of the black door. A horrible keening ripped through the grotto, and I slammed my hands over my ears, falling to my knees. Rock cracked and split, dust and pebbles falling to the sandy grotto floor, and I curled down on a ball, eyes squeezed shut, waiting for the worst, and then the rumbling slowly went silent. I looked up. I was a lone girl, kneeling in a grotto, watching a slowly growing fire blaze merrily away. I moved and sat at the far end, pressing myself against the cave wall next to the green door, and watched it burn all the way down, wanting to make sure. While I sat, I related to Jay and the others what had occurred in the red world, and how I used the campfire in the grotto to hopefully destroy the black door. I waited, ready to run if my plan didn't seem to work, but as I watched, the flames seemed to burn brighter and brighter, until finally the door crumbled in a heaping pile of ash and coals, leaving nothing but a smooth rock wall behind it. I stood, turned to the green door and cautiously opened it. Lush green woods greeted me. I stepped through, closing the door behind me. I could feel my weariness digging through my mind as I trekked back through the forest, heading in the direction of our all-too-familiar clearing. On the way, I spotted some movement far off between the trees. As I glanced to my left, a beast very similar to an elk, but larger, with dark-tipped horns and a large staring eye in the middle of its stable forehead caught my gaze and inclined its head to the side for a moment before turning and disappearing into the forest. When I reached the clearing, Ellie was there, waiting. I stopped, eyeing her cautiously. She looked like her normal self, wearing the pajamas she'd worn Friday night. Are you actually you? I asked. She snorted at me.
1: Do you have any idea what I just went through? Don't be a dick.
0: Well, it definitely sounded like Ellia. I walked into the clearing, eyeing eyeing her warily. She was not a demonstrative person, but she smiled at me as I approached.
1: Not bad, she said. Thanks for coming
0: back. She took my hand. It would have been easy in that moment to mistrust everything I had been seeing, but a part of me needed to believe that we had fixed whatever it was that we had broken. Jay, I said, bring us back. I squeezed Ellie's hand and closed my eyes. Five, four, three, two, one. Open your eyes. Ellie was back in school the next day. She seemed pale and still a little weak, but mostly herself. She said she didn't remember much while she was sick, and she was constantly in and out of consciousness with a bad fever. She didn't remember anything about the part of herself that was lost in the shadow man's gray world, coming back with me. But she didn't seem overly concerned about it. I think she was just relieved that she wasn't sick anymore and was eager to put it behind her, as we all were. We never went into the woods again, and once high school came around, we all seemed to drift and go our separate ways. I've lost touch with most of my old friends through the years. Some I found again on Facebook and a few I saw at my high school reunion a few years ago. Everyone seems to be well-adjusted in their adulthood, but no one has ever tried anything like Seven Doors again, and currently no one seems to have any contact with Elia or know where she is. I've mostly stayed away from any sort of astral projection, lucid dreaming exercises or journeying type medications. While I tend towards being agnostic or skeptical, I also collect various religious paraphernalia, including blessed St. Benedictine ambulance one I keep at the house and the other in my car statues of saints, saints and Vedic deities Ganesha guards the hallway up our stairs we have little Jizo statues on the front porch <laughs> it ain't my fault and sometimes I surreptitiously hide little bowls of salt in the corners of my house my husband thinks it's quirky that I am constantly questioning everything and demanding proof, but then secretly filling the house with protective charms and statues. I've been doing this running joke that whenever the song that comes, uh, I do my
1: hair toss, check my nails, uh, the way she says nails, uh, I've turned in the office to be (laughs) nips because it just sounds closer. So everyone in my office, uh, whenever that song comes on over the radio, uh, I do my hair, toss, check my nips.
0: (laughs) It's become a thing. You're a bad person. (laughs) I'm a stupid person. (laughs) Last year, I became pregnant with my first child. I found that I was having increasingly vivid dreams, which is common during pregnancy. But something strange about them made me question what I was really dreaming. It made me think back on this childhood experience. A couple of times, I would dream that I was walking through beautifully sunlit woods, relaxed and comfortable, And though he didn't show up physically as himself, I could feel the presence of my child with me, floating over my shoulder like a tiny ball of warmth. We would walk for what seemed like hours, talking in the woods, and each other's... We would walk for what seemed like hours, taking in the woods in each other's company, never speaking, Uh, like (laughs) Goo (laughs) Goo (laughs) Gaga. (laughs)
1: Refusing,
0: I'm taking back the Goo Goo Gaga. But but feeling each other deeply, in a way that I can't really describe. Gross. If you've ever carried or given birth to children, you may know what I'm talking about. Nope. During one of these dreams I remember sitting at the edge of the pond, looking out across the expanse of water, the little presence of my son hovering softly next to me. For some reason I looked down in the water below me, admiring the reflection of the woods and still smooth surface. I saw something strange in the far end of the pond reflected back in the water. Puzzled I glanced up. Ahead of me, across the water, a large grey barn stood on the shoreline. The barn was on fire. Alarm and a sudden shock of terror shot through me, and I gasped awake, shaking. My husband woke up, asked me if I was alright, and did his best to settle me down before falling back asleep. I don't knowingly enter any sort of meditation that may take me elsewhere. After this experience, I know better. Maybe we stopped it for a little while, made its connection to whatever plane we were exploring a little weaker, but I know for a fact that what we did won't last, that I am not forgotten, and that I am still twenty years later being watched. Maybe someday I'll find a way of severing its connection to me for good. Be safe, travelers. And for fuck's sake, if you see it, please never open a black door.
1: Or uh, go up any stairs.
0: The front stairs of my house. in the middle of the woods. The front of my house. My front door is black. Your front door is black. My front door is black. Don't go home. <laughs> Your front door is black. You're not allowed to. No, it's not. It's brown. Oh, okay. In the daytime, it's brown. My front door is black.
1: Oh, well, you're fucked, man. Well, son bitch. You're fucked. I'm gonna go. Baby. I'm gonna. I'm gonna beat you back to your house so I could paint little symbols and on your door.
0: Me and the lady, we have decided our main interior design theme is gray. Gray. So that's, that's the inside funny. of my house is gray. My couches are gray. My carpet's Black door gray. Gray. Yeah. My carpet's gray.
1: No, I like the whole futuristic gray feel. That's. Um, <sighs> I'm gonna that's die. Very. Yeah. No.
0: You're definitely. So this is my last episode. Um... <sighs> It's been,
1: it's been fun. Oh. Hey, if you guys want to What's funny do... about that to me is because if you think this is your last episode, you're sorely fucking mistaken. You'd literally have to die or uh, move far away, and even then I'd buy you a microphone and make you record with oh, me that's, across that's states. That's yeah. Well, I, I, I'm doing a series right now, literally as we're talking. The before and after this is with a friend who uh, primarily lives in Philly, but... Uh, has recorded from North Carolina before. Gotcha. Uh, her hometown. So, um, yeah, this story was fucking cool. Yeah, it was a good. One. I mean, I this like. I like the. I the, the reason we did this, and I didn't talk about it before the episode because I'm stoned. Um, thirty four and thirty five, I think they are, are like two of my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. I I like the first one more than the second one but the second one has three kings which is why you listen to the second one okay the first one had Midnight Man Hide and Go Seek uh Ghost Phone Box like some some good ones yeah Yeah. Midnight Man is solid yeah um the Hide and Go Seek with the doll that's fucking creepy too um there's some solid ones in the first in the first half uh whereas the two most notable ones in the second one were the uh the luck mirror the bad luck good luck mirror okay and um, and three, three kings. kings, so uh, this was fun because this it it was like what we were doing. It was like what we were doing. Yep. We were talking about how if we were to practice those exercises, how they'd play out almost stereotypically as like a horror movie or a drama. Right. You know, um, what would essentially happen? And throughout this entire story, I very what um, very much was. Um, putting myself in, like, the universe of, like, an M. Night Shyamalan movie, an Ari Aster movie. Like, I I saw all of this happening um, very... just It's very Mm detail-heavy, so I was able to, like, make up those images in my head. Um, The only thing I don't think was super important or could have improved upon is more bad shit happening to the other kids. There is no true risk involved. We know that they were getting Mm -hmm. sick and we knew that something bad had happened to Elia in her future. She was most likely marked and came back to as an adult. Um, I I guess it's just saying that, you know, it's it's the Stephen King thing, that there are other worlds than our Mm -hmm. own, you know, don't go meddling with shit you don't understand. Yeah,
0: so Elia was home from school and then what, like, what happened... What was the resolution then? It said
1: she came back to school the next day perfectly fine, No, but like,
0: what would have happened, I guess? Like, she was just home sick and she probably would have never... Would her health deteriorate? Right.
1: Over time, slowly like her soul's being sucked out of her body or something? Like, as if your soul is missing from you, could you live without your soul? Do you become, like, catatonic, vegetable-like? Do you fall asleep? I don't know was sh- well all that it said was sick it's not a terribly um descriptive story yeah. in those yeah. regards and it left me a little wanting because i'm i like visceral shit mm-hmm. and the only visceral shit was her fighting back which seemed just a little too i know what i'm doing did you want her- higher stakes I wanted more... I mean, I definitely wanted higher stakes, but I wanted more casualties, if I'm being honest. Okay. I just think... You wanted more budget. I just think, like, um, if you play this, like, Final Destination, like, you should have had, like, two of the girls die before the third one is captured, and then the third one, you know, you get maybe like a weird premonition that they're still in there sure. and that they've avoided what happened to the first two girls, but now they're trapped. Mm-hmm. Um almost like she you know, they pull back from the eyes, but the girl doesn't get up. I right. almost expected that. I almost wanted that to be a mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, five four three two one Jay pulls back and the girl just lays there asleep. Yeah. And you know, you try to nudge her and she's just like in a comatose. Coma. Yeah. Um I felt like that could have been, you know, like a possibility. When I'm sitting here and I'm so enraptured in a story, I'm also at the same time thinking to myself, like, where can this go? How can this right. progress? Like, what is the three-act structure of this story? Sure. And, and, and what is going to be the point that it then falls from to complete the, the conclusion? And as the page is built and we kind of read the same thing over and over again, I was just like... I I think the conclusion is just gonna be like it stops. It stops. You know I made that. Like you got to like page fifty in the last part, and I was like I don't think anything bad's gonna happen. Right. Um, but the but it but it had that um that otherworldly creepy factor mm-hmm. um that is very hard to capture.
0: It was good world building. Sure.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, I it, it, I hate saying Lovecraftian, but it definitely felt. Um, Parts of it very like what's the what's the story about the kids who travel through different dimensions? I fucking uh, wr- hate Wrinkle secrets. in Time. Oh, okay. Wrinkle in Time. It felt very Wrinkle in Time, specifically when the fucking bird person flew down because there's a fucking mm-hmm. there's like a leaf bird person in Wrinkle in Time.
0: Yeah, and even that was like Pan's Labyrinth like
1: And even yeah, like, no, they're very Yeah.
0: The um, the other world needs your
1: help, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a there's something evil kind of sucking the the brightness out of Dreamland. Right. Uh, it again, it it is nothing crazy, bold, or new in storytelling. You know that we've covered here on the show, but it was still a solid fucking solid rate. story.
0: Good job, Chekhov's Gun. Good. <laughs> Fake author's notes. I like those. Good. Fake author's notes. Yeah, I like those. It, it puts you in the context just yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, I love. Makes, I love makes fake, you care a little bit more. Fake uh, notes about a story. That's good. Play with that. Hey, hey guys. You, this is this podcast is a, is a writing seminar, right? This whole thing is a writing seminar. I mean, we we do definitely touch on that. Yeah, great. So for next week, uh, I think what we're going to see in terms of homework is you know play with the medium. I think we've been saying that since you know since your first week here uh, at camp. Play with the medium. You know, Half don't be afraid a- to experiment.
1: Yeah, uh, make uh, make the entire story uh, a collection of haikus.
0: Yeah, make the entire... Right, write it on a chocolate bar. Write it on the chocolate she, bar and make uh, it melt. This
1: author rhymed a whole bunch unintentionally, and I found it annoying several times. And then I opened the door like I had before, and I was like, fucking Seussical the
0: Musical. I thought that was going to be one of the worlds. I legit at one <laughs> point was like, she's going to walk through one of these doors, and she's like, what do I see? There's going to be like a There's nothing for me. There's going
1: to be, like, a platypus just being like, Hello, little girl! (laughs) Come and dance with a whirl! And then I was just like, fuck me. (laughs) As I imagined that, stupidly. Um, Fun fact. Fun fact. I have a collection of new Games with Ghoulies. Yeah. So there are going to be at least two more Games with Ghoulies episodes. I, I found a website that specializes in rituals. And they're less creepypasta rituals and more, like... This is something that you could kind of loosely practice. And okay. I don't know to what effect, and some of them are super short, and some of them are, like, ingredient-wise long. And I just
0: kind of want to dissect that at some point. But. So, hey, if you're follow- if you're a fan of the podcast and you're feeling adventurous, <laughs> when we get there, why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you maybe try some of these
1: yourself? Try some of this shit right. and then let us know how it goes.
0: You're not going to be able to contact us after you try
1: it. I, but- yeah. But, I, I mean, try it. Email, Facebook. Not? I talk to they're a not lot gonna, of our fans on gonna, Facebook. They're
0: not going to be, because they're going to be dead. Oh, because they're going to be or dead. Or shadow monsters oh, or Guys! Or but try it. Guys, yeah, four, get your pasta. On Castbox is pretty good. Get your pasta wherever, wherever pasta is sold. Okay? It's big on iTunes, too. iTunes, uh, Stitcher Premium. I don't know if it's on Stitcher.
1: It is on Stitcher. Great. It's also on Castbox, um, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio uh i mean soundcloud lets you download SoundCloud. literally literally i i click the button that says download this as mp3 you can download the flawless mp3 file of each episode like i know people don't want to just go to a random website and click a button mm-hmm. when you have like a platform like yeah. spotify but like if that's what it takes for you to listen to the show then listen to the fucking, fucking do it
0: and hey do the rituals next time That'll be fun. Play right? the seven door game. Play the seven door. Uh, find
1: the black door go, and go
0: through it. Unsubscribing yourself. Go through it. Oh my God! I wasn't gonna have a go through it. Go through the I black also, door. Uh,
1: I also, you know that Justin Timberlake song where uh, the the dance, 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 dance that you wanna do. And then so uh, at the beginning of the song he goes, I got this feeling and then I always chime in whenever it comes these songs come on in the office all the time so I yell out I yell out inside my balls <laughs> cause the next line is
0: thank you guys so much for listening I got this feeling thank you guys so much inside I'm, my balls I'm Captain Death I'm here with Django <laughs> Phillips thank you so
1: much Django Thanks so much, Django, Django Django Django
0: i oh, no I'll wait till the day's end when the moon is high and then I'll rise at the tide with the lust for life all. Unless an army I wanna run as a hoard, and then we'll live across the land until we stand at the shore. i to the day's end when the moon is high, and then I'll rise at the tide with the lust for life, file. Unless an army I'll hear so hoard, and then we'll live across the land until we stand at the shore.